Welcome to the Buck and Dex podcast. How are you? I'm pretty good. Thanks for asking. Hey, hey, what are you doing? What What do you mean? What am I? How'd you get in here? What? I I thought you were uh, gallivanting around the world. This This is our podcast. Of course, I'm here. Well, I mean, I know it's our podcast, but I mean, you haven't really been here for a while. It's true. I haven't. I mean, I'm the one that had to take all the shit for taking 67 days off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. We took a little break because of a work schedule and Dex running in and out of town and. But now he's back. and I'm back for a couple weeks. Where are you going? Uh, I'm going to go hike four mountains in Colorado September 11th. Okay. So. Is that in remembrance of September 11th or? Um, I guess it could be. Yeah. No. But I should do something with that. When somebody asks you that question, <laughs> you just say yes. You say, yeah, bro. Of, of course. Co- yeah. Yeah. Yes. Of yes. course it is. Yeah. Uh, but no, that's not true. It's, it has have, nothing to do with that. Yeah. Uh, we have a special guest with us today. Yeah. I'm excited for this one. This voice is famous. I hear it, it all the time in grocery stores. I hear it. Gro- I hear it on other radio stations yes. for certain commercials like, uh, gambling commercials, I think. And no, wait, no gambling commercials. You're not doing casinos. What are you doing? What, what, what spots are you known for? Like I was uh, just breaks for 10 years. Yeah. When they came, uh, yeah. the usually the state fair every year. Oh, that's right, yeah. the state fair. Year. Uh, the uh, uh, Mexico lottery. That's right. Yeah. Um, oh, that's right. Your lottery. Your Define the, fitness. Okay. Yeah, your voice is on a lot of stuff. It's Michael Moxie, everybody. Michael hey. Moxie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for inviting me to your swank bunker with a nice fireplace and this is nice so there's a bedroom right there if you get tired you can just go in there and take a nap you need to take a nap just I'm let us winded i am getting old <laughs> little little memes you can go in there that's what's nice about having a podcast is that it's not like regular like radio you can yeah. just hey pause this let's go take a nap and come back <laughs> you know that's what you should just pause it like september 11th right pause <laughs> i mean yes well, to honor our nation i do all the editing so <laughs> yeah. i can make it sound however i'd like <laughs> Yeah, no, funny thing, you call this a bunker. Uh, this this was actually built during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Oh, wow. Yeah, so the walls are like three, four feet thick, concrete. Oh, so it's like a panic so like, room in a sense. It, it's kind of like a fallout shelter, yeah. Oh, wow. It can be 105 degrees outside and stay a nice 71 degrees down here. Mm. Oh, that's perfect. So it kind of is handy for today's pandemic world where yeah yeah necessary absolutely just, yeah everyone can come down here quarantine down here this is where he hides all his shit tickets all of his toilet paper i don't have see you posted that photograph a long time ago which is totally not true i mean just because i have like five cases of water in my <laughs> in my other little now you had about five large room. bundles of toilet paper from Costco. Ten thousand rounds of AR fifteen ammunition. <laughs> <laughs> so you're kind of an amateur prepper. I'm an amateur prepper. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I don't have a direct water source down here, so that's why I have to have the bottled water. <laughs> true, but you can fight your way to the river and back. That's true. If need be. Yeah, absolutely. How's ammunition. The, how's the uh, pandemic been treating Michael Moxie? Uh, probably the same as everybody else. It's the, the, you know, it's the new quote unquote, the new normal, that awful phrase where, um, I mean, I work from home, so 
that's a change. Um, my work hasn't really changed. I work about. Are you a lobbyist? Uh, sort of. Do you work amateur. for a, a group of lobbyists or something, or a lobbyist group? No, I work for the New Mexico Dental Association. Right. So um, I work for the American Dental Association here in New Mexico, and I do um, mostly outreach stuff and some policy stuff. And you know, sometimes I meet with people here and there, but it's not a lobbyist per se. But I do, you know, talk about teeth with people, whether it's city councilors, if we're talking about a yeah. certain issue, whatever the issue might be, yeah. uh, all the way up to the governor's office. So you've gone from radio to teeth. Yeah, that was the big plan when I was 11. <laughs> yeah. thought, you always loved teeth. It's been mapped out. Um, actually, you have a great smile, by the way. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, the, uh, I kind of, I went the long way around. I got, when I uh, got out of radio, I moved back to New Mexico and I started working uh, at the New Mexico State Economic Development Department in Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember Michael Henningsen from yeah. The Weekly Alibi? Yep. Um, he worked up there, and we had been friends for a really long time. Uh, and I was in Austin, and I was looking for something to do. And he's like, well, come work. You know, we have a we have a job here. You can take pictures and write for the website. So I moved uh, back to New Mexico, started working in Santa Fe, and I worked there three years. Um, and I, it was a great opportunity to come back. Um, and so that's kind of how I got into that realm of work. Yeah. It wasn't something I Had thought about planned doing. on. I, I don't think no. really any of us plan on. No. We don't really know what we're doing I after radio. Plan, I didn't plan to get into radio. I just, yeah, things happen. And... Who was I talking to the other day? I was telling somebody a story about how you got your job mm-hmm. at the edge. What year was that? That was 1995. Yeah, I know you've been posting a lot of these, like, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> these photos, and uh, they're very nostalgic photos of yeah. you and Bucks in a few of them back yeah, in the 90s. Good ones. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool, man, to see all that. Um, thanks. Um, yeah, so during the pandemic, since nobody's really, I there's no vacations to go on, and for your, you know, post on your Instagram, it's me in a palm tree or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I have a lot of dead time and space. So I'm like, well, I've got boxes of, VHS tapes yeah. of photographs of, you know, ticket stubs and artifacts and stuff. I might as well start posting some of them. So I started posting a few of them and people were like, this is really funny. This is cool to look back and see, you know, yeah. one of the ed- early edge fest or, yeah. or whatever. And then, um, glad you saved all that stuff. I was too high yeah. back then to even like think <laughs> about like snapping a fucking picture. I'm an art. My, I have a degree in history. Oh, okay. So I'm kind of like in, I like archiving things yeah. anyway. So little time um, capsules. Yeah, exactly. you're a scrapbooker. It's okay, bro. Just say it is. It is <laughs> I'm a scrapbooker. I'm, I was gonna take some pictures later and put some <laughs> yarn around them and put some stickers on them. Um, so I decided people were like, "This is great," and a lot of the old uh, record and radio people um, that we all knew from Albuquerque and across the country started. Like, oh, I remember this story. And yeah. And so it was really great to reconnect with some of those people. Who was it from the Corn concert? What was that dude's name? The record guy that was here? Robbie Lloyd. There were a bunch of them. Robbie Lloyd. Robbie was fucking crazy. Yeah. He was great. You're yeah. going to have to tag him in this because when you share this on Instagram or whatever. But I remember somebody talking about a story. I didn't go out with those guys the night of the Corn show. But from what I understand, he ended up 
taking a bunch of people over to the strip club and he had to buy tokens <laughs> and he bought a bunch of tokens and he was trying to buy like blow for everybody at the, at the strip club. I, I, and you know, like it's funny. Days. I yeah. wasn't there. I, I, <laughs> the nineties. You were off. <laughs> I was off that day. It was one of my, one of my off days. So yeah, that was um, insane. So yeah, it's been, uh, thanks for, I'm glad you saw uh, yeah. some of them, but um, I went in I guess I could tell the story if you want. From yeah, that. I'd love to hear it. Um, how you got the job? Yeah. It's a cool story. If you yeah. don't know how Moxie got his job, we actually <laughs> started fairly close to yes. the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I graduated from UNM with that degree and I was like, what am I going to do? Maybe I'll teach. I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, and I was working at the old quarters liquor store. I, it's actually still there in Wyoming. Yeah. And I'd worked there during college for about three and a half so years. You're probably 23, 24. Uh, I was a little touch older, Um, and um, the edge had started in October of '94. October of '94, yeah. And I was like, "This is it," because in the '80s, I was, you know, New Order, Cure, Smiths, U2, REM, uh, Jane's Addiction, and those were like, I can't wait for this music to be big. And I did not like the hair metal days, and you know, living in Albuquerque for a lot of those years, it was, you know, a lot of Aussie and a lot of. Judas Priest, and that just wasn't yeah. what I was into. So when the Edge started, I was like, "Oh my god!" So the morning show at that time was Struber and was it, it was Struber? Dana and Blade Runner. That's right. Wow. That's right. It was never even heard of them. Yeah, yeah. And so they um, they would have contests and stuff. And um, this is so old. They were like, "Hey, did you see some band was on John Stewart last night?" Oh no, I missed it. And in those days, if you missed it. You missed it. You missed it. Yeah. Was a, yeah. But I was like, I taped that. I shall take it into them. And they're like, gee, thanks. <laughs> Weird guy. And I was like, <laughs> so I'm like, man, I'd really like to be involved yeah. in radio somehow because I love the music and I go to all the shows. And um, so um, I would bring stuff by like once or twice and just like, wow, what does it take to kind of be in radio? And they're like, well, X, Y, Z, which is all BS. Everybody like, you have to get know your, somebody and yeah. gets lucky. It's not like you, yeah. you know, I, I planned this career yeah, exactly. all along. Um, and so they're like, well, if you know, if you want to apply, you could do um, promotions, yeah. which I believe you were doing at the time. No, no, no. I was part time on the air. Okay. So, I was the overnight jock. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, they, so I was like, I don't really, you know, no offense to the promotions team, but I have a, I have a college <laughs> yeah, that's degree. Below me, and right? I don't. Yeah. You know, I kind of want to qualified for this position. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound bad, but that's kind of yeah. like go set up. A, you guys know, go totally. set up and stand there, and if somebody eats too much pizza, you yell at them. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. And then you pack it all back up, and I was like, no, that doesn't sound right for me. So I was kind of waiting for an opportunity. I'm like, I don't. Anyway, so. Um, Scott Struber was doing afternoon drive at the time, um, had a contest and they used to do an edge concert correspondent where they'd take a winner, um, and then take him to the show. Um, you know, set him up with the kind of VIP treatment. If sometimes you get to meet the band, something or whatever. Um, and then call in the next day. It's like, yeah, thanks guys. I'm to the show and X, Y, Z happened. And it was a question about, um, the Foo Fighters who technically, they existed, but they hadn't put an album out yet. And yeah. they were they were coming with Mike Watt um, to the Dingo, Dingo Bar. Dingo Bar. So they're like, hey, you know what? Something about did what band was Dave Grohl in or what is his new band, whatever. So I won. 
I'm like, oh my God. And he's like, yeah, just come by the station later today and uh, we'll get you set up. So I go in and I meet um, Scott and I look in the window uh, to the studio. This was the old studio that was by... Bengal Man- Communications yes. was the company, and it was next to Tom Young's, which Wyoming. is now where the Walmart is in Wyoming yeah, okay. and uh, Manal. Manal. It was on the backside. It was just a pit. It was like, yeah. uh, it was, what was the, where did Erica work next door? The little oh, party the place? Party, party Barn. Party Barn. <laughs> party Barn, yeah. There was Party Barn. There was yeah. uh, Tom Young's Fitness Club, and then there was us. Nice. <laughs> So I went in and I look, uh, I look through the window and Mike Watt is there being uh, interviewed by this super hot girl. And I said, what is going on in there? And it was Kit because she was doing yeah. nights. Yeah. So Mike Watt was in there. I'm like, oh my God, that's Mike Watt. So he comes out and you're hey, Mike Watt. Um, so we, we, they give us instructions. We go down and meet him at the show. And Scott and I and my friend are kind of hanging out a little bit. And Scott's like, hey, you're pretty funny and i was like oh thanks <laughs> well, yeah great so we the, you know the show's great it's you know the foo fighters and eddie better yeah was drumming for mike watt wow he's yeah. playing the drums yeah uh he was it was uh no girl was playing uh eddie better was playing guitar was he playing guitar and he was in hovercraft which was a whole different band so yeah. this was a huge deal for albuquerque at the time it was in the front page of the newspapers yeah. and people were lined up i mean this is the height of the grunge yeah Good times. Um, so they're like, okay, well, do you want to call in tomorrow? And I was like, no, I want to come in. I want to physically come in. And they're like, we've never had anyone come in. <laughs> they're like, all right, whatever, guy. This guy's super aggressive. I like him. All right. <laughs> so I went in. I got in on the show. And I, I still have a tape of that somewhere. It's pretty you know, ridiculous when you look at your 25 years later. Gosh, you got to put that stuff up online. You got to go through all those tapes. It's not. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, (laughs) and apparently I had met some girl there. So there's some like cryptic reference to like, Hey, Sheila. Hey, cinnamon Lori or whoever. Like good to meet you. Wink, wink. I'm on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember any of that by the way. Um, and so I did the segment and they're like, wow. Um, Hey, do you mind? sticking around and doing it again next hour. I was like, okay, why not? So, um, I stick around and did it again. And then afterwards they're like, uh, I, I can't remember what the order was, but they're like, Hey, Scott wants to talk to you. And it's like, okay. Scott's like, yeah, you're really funny and like know the music and you were really good on the air. Do you want to, do you want to work here? I was like, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds fine. He's like, okay. Um, Promotions. <laughs> yeah. Prom- <laughs> we need a janitorial crew. Um, and he said, okay, well, I'll call you. I was like, okay. Oh, so I waited and yeah. it had, I can't remember if it was a week or two, yeah. but I was like, they're never going to call. Right. So he calls and it's late afternoon and he's like, hey, are you, do you want to come in and do it? I was like, sure. Okay. We'll come in like at midnight. And <laughs> they tell everybody. We'll have the, over, the I think it was Chad. I can't remember. It was, um, it was Chad and Johnny Kilgore. I think it was those two guys were doing the over. I can't remember which one was there that night. And they're like, so what you'll do is uh, he'll show you how everything works um, till like three in the morning. And then you're going to be on from three till the morning show comes in. I was like, uh, wow. Sounds like you yeah. should have more training. Yeah. Than that. <laughs> yeah. So I have the tape of that. And the first break I did, which was awful. Oh, gosh, and it I was like, 
Our Lady Peace, I think. It Mine was, was yellow lead better. Was it really? Yeah. Uh-oh. Mine was Shania Twain. Really? Yeah, it was great. On a country station. Mine was a terrible, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was, now I'm in radio. Yeah. And I'm learning what carts are and what the logs are. And I'm like, yeah, I was like shocked. You don't get to pick your own music? Isn't that the first thing you guys heard when you oh, started? Oh, totally, yeah. Like, wow, you know, well, since you're on, you can make it better or whatever. I'm like, I don't know. Was there so, a Scott Systems back then? Was it anything on the computers yet? There, Yeah, it was. The logs were done by computer. Yeah, they were? Okay. Yeah, it was the Scott. But you 94, still had to pull, 95, as you said? 95, yeah. yeah 95. Um, but you still had to pull, all the music was on CDs. Yeah. And you still had to pull carts, carts. for like eight tracks yeah, for all right. the spots. And the SAG, so... You'd have to go from physically from a CD track, pop that down, hit, you know, whatever. Yeah. Hey, it's whatever the sweeper, end. Wee, wee, you know, hey. and then hit the next song. Right. So you were constantly. Yeah. That's moving. when I started in 98. It was still like that. Yeah. yeah. So then later, as you guys know, the computers come in and they just run everything and you just yep. pop the mic up for your break and then yeah. go to the bathroom or whatever. Yeah. Um, Go and play Tetris so, exactly. on your Game Boy. <laughs> yeah, your Game your, Boy. Yeah, I mean, now <laughs> you just, you leave. I, well, I won't get in, but anyway, so at, I worked about five or six shifts over the course of like two or three weeks. And then they fired the morning show, moved Kit from nights to mornings, and teamed her with Rick Ashton, who was a traveling, it was a comic. He was a touring comic, yeah. and he was he was a great guy. It was funny. He's yeah. passed away since, but he's to he's open for like Bill Hicks and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, so they're like, "Well, now we have an opening at nights. Do you want to do nights?" And I was like, "Yes." Yeah. So within like three weeks, I had the night gig, wow. and they're like, "We can pay you fourteen thousand dollars." I was like, "Are you kidding me? That's a lot of money? I'm rich. Maybe it, was, it may have been fifteen. So I started doing nights by like um, May, um, and then that end of that month was the first Edge Fest. So within you know less than two months, I went from working at a liquor store to like on stage introducing bands in front of you know cool. ten thousand people. Yeah, and yeah. Like the craziest like lucky yeah. story of all time. I feel like a lot of radio people have similar that similar story. You know, yeah, it's just. It's crazy. It's all who you know, and it's just like, it's one of those one of those things where it's scary as hell. Yeah, you know. But if you just take the chance and go for it, you just move up. You know. And I think a lot of times people just get kind of scared. Or I remember having that feeling too of just walking in, going, "This is nuts. There's no way I can do this." Yeah. Wait, I'm going to be on the air. Yeah. You trust me? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I have a really bad tick where I curse every seventh word. Is that appropriate? Um, But yeah, I'm sure as you both remember, it's intimidating when you go in because there's a big, you know, in the olden times, they had giant boards with yeah. pots and lights and things. It's and they use like yeah. two channels. You know? Yeah, but right. Yeah. You got reel to reels. You exactly. got reels and cart <laughs> machines. And-, and it's intimidating. It is. And, um, and then you're, you know, then it's, you're, you know, you don't want to mess up. You don't want to say the wrong band name or what, you know, whatever. Um, so that was that lasted about a little like less than a year, maybe eight eight or nine months, if I remember. And then um, ninety four rock at the time uh, was like, wow, we're getting creamed by this new 
alternative rock music. Yeah, we were slaughtering them because they. Um, who? who what was the company that owned the Edge? Uh, it was tr- Twin uh, Peaks. Was it Twin Bingle Twin Peaks? It was Twin Peaks first. Uh-huh. They owned it, and then Ninety Four Rock was owned by another company by right? Twin Peaks. Oh, okay, and then Trumper Communications came in and bought yeah. everybody. Uh, okay, so right, so uh, prior, right prior to that, the. Um, the 94 rock was like, Hey, we're going to change format. So they had hired rain man got fired. Yeah. Uh, he was working. Rain man was actually working with us. He was doing like overnights and, and, uh, what else? And like production and stuff. Yeah. And they, and 94 rock was like, Hey, we'll put you on at night. And so he did a show called sick to midnight, sick to midnight. Mm. And so, you know, 94 rock had been ass rock for 80 years, you yeah. know, it was like, you know, Judas priest and all that stuff. Um, but now they're like, hey, we're going to play alternative rock hits. Do you want to come work for us? And I was like, okay, afternoon drive. You mean I don't have to work from, I was working six to midnight yeah, and then doing production. So I wasn't going home until two or three in the morning. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. They're like, we can offer you $24,000. Oh, wow. <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm the richest man alive. <laughs> And so um, people don't remember that for about a year or so, 94 Rock was full alternative. Yeah. I was playing Beck. Um, uh, Sponge. Ro- and- yeah. Wow. yeah. Rob and um, Phil yesterday were talking about, they did a, a Blarney Bash um, with Dishwalla. Yeah, I and, remember that. Um, Crazy. And Skylar, Stephanie was like, you had Dishwalla play it, you know. Because usually it's slaughter or whatever. Yeah. It's, and I was like, yeah, because that's what our station was doing. Yeah. That's what we did. That was, I think I worked that Blarney Bash. Um, I remember um, when they came in the studio with the new Beck, uh, where it's at. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is awesome. Um, we got sent to me and uh, little Marky. Yeah. Mark got sent to San Francisco to two breaks from the Tibetan Freedom Concert. I remember the Tibetan Freedom Concert. In 1996 yeah. in San Francisco. I mean, that's how alternative it was on 94 Rock. And people like don't remember those times at all because Trumper came in, bought everything. So now everybody's under one roof. So you had the Edge, 94 Rock, and the Peak that were in similar kind of... And KLSK, which was a classic rock station. Um, And so they're like, well, um, we can't have... 94 Rock's got to go back to rock, obviously. And the Peak's going to be more you know um they called they called it the rock block he basically wanted to corner the market on rock yes so i'm you were exactly right it was kls k that they turned into the peak which didn't exist yet was it kls k no 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 the peak was the peak hadn't started until the peak hadn't started because what was the bald guy's name that was the pd of it he ended up todd yeah, he committed suicide. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was the program director for the peak. And I remember when they were launching it because we were, Frank Jackson had, you know, Trumper had bought everybody. Mm-hmm. And Frank Jackson was the program director of 94 Rock. And if you've ever, did you ever, you ever meet Frank Jackson, Dex? I've heard, no, I never met him. His voice is probably one of the most distinct voices yeah. you've, you've <laughs> ever heard. And Mike Todd too. Yeah, and Mike Todd. And... Frank Jackson was actually the voice of the stunting for the peak because he would come in and he recorded all these things and he'd be like, 6,582 feet, <laughs> 7,900 
54 feet, you know, until they got all the way up to wherever they were going to, you know. And uh, yeah, but he was uh, he was the voice of the flip for the peak. Yeah. So that was so when they bought when Trevor bought everybody, um, they're like, hey, do you want to go back to the edge? Because now they need a morning show. So now after a year and a half of working in the liquor store. Yeah. I'd already been on two different time uh, slots. And now they're like, hey, go do mornings. So it was October 97. And so I started doing mornings by myself. It was just me in there. Um, and um, across the hall, that's when they started the peak because it was, there were two stations in yeah. there. And they flipped. That was uh, Jamie Barreras worked. Yep. Uh, it was the classic rock. Yep. Charlie Fox had worked there. Charlie um, Fox, the man that rocks. The man that rocks. So, so they then flipped to the peak and then they had to do a whole new um, staff over there. Um, and so eventually, um, so I was 90, what would I say? October 97. So I did the edge then from October 97 till April 2001 doing mornings. Yeah. Which seems like, I mean, looking back is like what, five years, four years, four and a half years, but it seemed like forever. Yeah. Yeah. And That's a long time for no, a morning is. show. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was a great opportunity, and we had a lot of fun. And then that staff in those days ended up, that was Mike O'Connor, who was mm-hmm. who uh, oversaw the station originally. Then it was, it was Sandy. Um, Sandy when I went back over. And Sanford then, Horowitz. <laughs> we didn't have the best relationship, uh, unfortunately. Um, and then Skip Isley came in, and that's when um, things really took off. And then eventually... Yeah. They needed a partner, and Kit um, had worked here um, prior to... She went to Buffalo about the time that I went um, to 94 Rock, I think. So she'd been in Buffalo maybe a year and a half or two years, something like that. And we're looking for a morning show. So we had gotten along super well and had great chemistry. So we brought her back, and we launched her with a stunt where we bought a billboard on the big eye mm-hmm. um, and put up, um, I need a job. Here's a phone number and put her on the billboard. And she was actually oh, living on cool. the billboard. Oh, wow, man. So they, you know, the news covered it. Um, it was on the front page of the Albuquerque journal. Yeah. Um, the several morning shows called and were like, we're going to find you a job. Cause that's what morning shows do. Obviously you guys remember, you know, oh, wait, you know, local interest story. We'll find you a job. So uh, it was, who it was, the, who was the Pop-Tarts guy? John and the Bean. John and the Bean, yeah. And they called and then they aired it. And after they aired everything, like the next day they figured out it was a stunt. Oh, wow. And they were super mad. Yeah, yeah. We got KOB once too. <laughs> Radio Wars, man. Radio Wars were the best back in the day. So we launched her and it, it turned out to be, you know, super... Uh, it was a successful show, and we did that show for a few years. Um, and then she left, and... Um, Is that when Adam 12 and Jamie came in? At that was when, yeah. So Jamie and I did the show for a little bit, uh, yeah. just for a few months. I can't even remember. And then um, Adam was here, and he was doing afternoons. And then when they uh, unilaterally decided <laughs> to make a change... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that's a whole different. Uh, anyway, um, that was 
that was in 2001. So then I went. I was fired by then. Long fired. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then in, so 2001, I moved to Los Angeles for three whole months. Um, and I lived on various couches and floors and stuff. And one of those was uh, my friend Kirsten and Richard, who have since moved back to New Mexico. I lived at their house for a little bit. And they're like, hey, um, you know, we need, we need our relatives to come in. We need the space. Um, can you move into these other guys' house? So I'm like, okay. So the house moved into was um, the guys that lived there. The One guy was the guitar player at the time, the guitar tech for the distillers. Okay, yeah. So Brody Dahl used to come over to the house. We're like, oh my God, this is crazy. And another guy, um, Rob Buchek, ended up being a video director, and he directed videos for Jet and a bunch of different bands. And uh, another guy is a video editor. So it was kind of a cool house to be in, and that was in Silver Lake. And then... Um, Which was not a cool part of L.A. back then, but became one. Very... Oh, it's, it was... Very yeah. swanky. Yeah. Um, so um, I'd been in contact before I left with... Um, they were starting a new station called The Zone... This is a long story, sorry. Um, so That's fine. No, it's this a is podcast. Great. Yeah. Yeah, we've got um, time, dude. I love this history. It's good. Uh, and Scott Serrata was like, hey, he was the PD there. And he's like, hey, um, do you want to maybe do afternoons? I was like, I, no, kind of didn't want to do afternoons. That's kind of burned on radio yeah. a little bit. I didn't have such a good experience leaving at the time. And I was like, nah. And he's like, all right, well. You know, sorry, we don't have a job for you. I was like, okay, not a problem. But then like a month later, he calls me. And I was in the Salton Sea Desert between outside of San Diego, between Los Angeles and San Diego, working as a PA on a TV show. I think it was a TBS show about some, it was like an early survival show. Like if a plane crashes, what do you do? So I was a PA and it was the worst because at that time I was already like 30 and like these 22 year olds were like, you know, telling me to get coffee for people and yeah. tell them, and I was like, you don't know me. I, I interviewed Henry Rollins. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, I don't care. Yeah. They're like <laughs> cream and sugar, bitch. Exactly. <laughs> and I was like, this sucks. I'm like, I'm not prepared to, you know, yeah. live on couches for how long and, um, so Scott calls and says, yeah, um, the person we hired to do mornings never showed up. Like, we never showed up. Yeah, we expected her to be here like last week and she didn't come. And then like several days later, called and says she didn't want the job. Wow. So do you want to come and do mornings? <laughs> and I was like, yes. <laughs> um, put the coffee down, drove back. Yeah. Did you flip everybody off? I did. I was like, take this. <laughs> um, and... Um, so my PA career was uh, one show for three days. <laughs> I was great. like, that was enough of that. Thanks, California. Yeah. Uh, so then I started doing the zone and I did the morning show by myself for a year or so. And then we decided to hire somebody new. So in the search, we came across tapes for Leah Black, yeah. uh, who was doing either nights or overnights. I don't remember in Denver. She could probably tell you. She was doing overnights in Denver on BPI. KBPI. Yeah. Um, and she was cool and sweet and awesome. And so we brought her in and we did about a year, maybe, maybe, I don't remember, a year and a half. Um, and, you know, now it's 15, 20 years later, whatever it is. Um, 
we we were super good friends. She's so awesome. I yeah. love her. She's she's the best. But as you know, sometimes chemistry off air doesn't necessarily relate to chemistry on air. Yes. Um, and you know, I it, it a lot of it is my fault because having worked with kid and had we had a great you know we were really super successful in that short period of three or that's years. what leah said when she did the podcast that it was your yeah. fault <laughs> yeah well, i'm kinda, just kidding yeah i'm joking <laughs> <laughs> well no I'll, i mean i'll take i i had a certain vision of what i wanted you which wanted is, things to be a certain way yes which is super unfair to the other person yeah um and she was also pretty new and and was learning her way around stuff as well. And it was a new city and she was trying to, you know, make friends and do things. So it wasn't, you know, um, in, at the time I thought it wasn't the optimum way we could do it. Um, again, not totally fair to her obviously, but, um, but the good thing was that, I mean, we super liked her. She was awesome. Usually in radio, they just fire you and say, well, it didn't work out, hit the bricks, but we worked really hard to get her on, KOB FM yeah. and get her, I think it was afternoons at the time um, because we didn't want to fire her or let her go or whatever. Um, and so we've remained super awesome friends and it was, that's um, I'm really happy about that. That was great. Um, and then we <laughs> rehired Kit uh, and we did an, uh her and I did the show for another couple years. Um, and Do you remember me calling you, telling you, Warning you about the yes. station flipping. So at the end of that, those years, yeah. uh, then Kit decided to not be in radio again. Um, uh, and I love her, sweet, awesome, but didn't know what she wanted to do. So she wanted to leave. So it was going to be me and uh, Forrest, who now works in Boise. And we were going to do a show. Is he, is he still in radio? He, yeah, he runs, the I think, the entire block up there. Oh, okay. Boise. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I remember getting calls and Buck was like, yeah, we've seen like prospectuses for sales pitches for new stations and stuff. I was like, come on. Well, and then I got whatever. And then I got somebody. This was back in the early days of the Internet. Mm-hmm. And somebody sent me a link and they're like, in all it said, the email was like, listen to this. And so I clicked the link and it opens up and it's like new imaging. It's what was it? Uh, 101 point. What was your uh, it was uh, 101, uh, 101.3. Uh, and they're turning it to Fred. Yeah, yeah. And so I hear all this imaging. They're like, 101.3, Fred FM. And so I was like, I've got to send this to Moxie. Yeah, yeah. Like, and he's my like, buddy. I've got to send yeah, this yeah. to him. And I was like, oh. And I don't think you believed, I don't think you believed I me at first. I did not believe it. You thought I was fucking with them because we used to fuck with them a lot because they were mm-hmm. kicking the shit out of us. <laughs> like the zone was beating us silly. Yeah. And we were doing stuff like, we're going to come out in a cherry picker and broadcast in front of your window. And you know... Radio Is that when uh, you were with Young Mark? Yeah, I was yeah. with Young Mark, and we were like sneaking into the building dressed as yeah. ninjas and stuff. Because we had- still, when I came on with you, we were still kind of messing with you guys too, and yeah. kind of had that like, oh, Moxie and Kit, oh man, and they're kicking our ass, and we just were like, what can we do? We're about ready to get fired. They're gonna flip the edge. <laughs> we were freaking out. Well, they flipped us, um, which didn't make God. any which no. didn't make any sense. But Milt McConnell was running the station back then. He was the general manager over at was it wasn't Cumulus at the time. It was uh, was it Simmons? It wasn't Simmons. Uh, it was, uh, I can't even remember. I can't remember. Uh, Citadel. So it, the, yeah, Citadel. It was Citadel. So they flipped. They flipped the zone. That was when we were together. Yeah, right? yeah. So we were ready to like no joke. 
Buck and I were we were thinking we're toast because like <laughs> our ratings were terrible. We're like we're gonna get fired any day, yeah. and then all of a sudden we find out that they flipped the zone, and we're like, holy shit! Yeah, holy well, we and they shit. told us you you gave me the heads up, but I was like, I don't think that's gonna happen because we're doing really well. Yeah, ratings wise, they were doing oh really yeah. really well. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. I think it had to be a revenue thing. Like that's what it had to be because well, you guys had a large in, stick. Too. In order like, for Milt to do that, mm-hmm. I mean, the revenue just had could, it wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. So they well, they flipped it, but we got fired in the week between Christmas and New Year's. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, and let it was me correct. A really this. bad it was, time. It was, it was one hundred three point three. Yes, one hundred three three. Yeah. Because um, I know somebody's gonna post in the comments, dude. You got the fucking numbers right. Yeah. 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 And I and I worked there and I forgot. Um, <laughs> So that was um, not a not the best of times, um, uh, and the we had t- that section was good because it attacked to the middle between the peak and the edge. Yeah, because um, y- you guys had gone by that time. We had started in the late '90s, early 2000s into the harder music yeah. um, because they That's- wanted the peak to have the wider berth, yeah. to have the your Matchbox 20s and your Gin Blossom, whatever it was at the time. Um, and we would had started playing corn and and Limp Biscuit and all that stuff in the late 90s, 2000s. So by that time, you guys were like really a much, the edge had become much harder. Yeah. And Slip the peak off. was a little like too like, you know, they, they were really maybe 70% women. Um, so there was a hole for us to do that classic alternative that people remembered from the from the nineties. Yeah. And so I got, it was great because Scott was like, Hey, help me with the music. So I got to go through the catalog and, you know, tell them the titles and things that, that had worked for us. So we built a really great music library and, uh, you know, it just, it worked and we had a good staff and we had a lot of great promotions. Um, so yeah. So then that flipped to Fred which then later got sued. They got a cease and desist because there's already a Fred. Yeah. Yeah. Like in Canada or somewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I felt a little, you know, I mean, it's petty, but I felt a little like, haha, because they'd spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on billboards and ads for yeah. Fred, and they had to take it all down. Yeah. And they call couldn't it use Ed. it. And call it Ed. To Ed. Yeah. And it's still Ed. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's been And around. there was, I think, five full-timers and um we all were let go you know we're not we got fired but it wasn't you know it's because your job didn't exist because yeah. they did something else with it it wasn't performance based but um that station is just a computer jukebox so there's yeah. no there's no money right you know they don't have to pay anybody and so the revenue is all i mean yeah it's solid gold so for them business-wise great decision it predated the Sirius and the you know satellite channels yeah. in a sense yeah, that format actually got started because there was, I think, the people who created The Edge. So The Edge basically started kind of like a franchise. You know, somebody came up with this concept of, we want to start a radio station that caters to this type of crowd and, you know, yeah. plays this type of music. And, you know, once it goes out, then everybody kind of takes it and they say, okay, let's do this and call it this. And, you know, they. And that's the same thing that happened with him over at, at The Zone because they had Fred, which was a spinoff of a format they came out with called Jack. And it was basically like 
you know, just a jukebox yeah. and they don't have to pay anybody. Nope. Yeah. So Commodores and to Michael Jackson yeah, and to it was like crazy. Gin Blossom, to Gin Blossom, yeah. you know, and yeah. Kid Rock. <laughs> um, so I, at that point I was like, well, now what am I going to do? Um, and that was the, obviously 2000, the end of 2004. So now the start of 2005, I'm unemployed and I live in the North Valley um, and my girlfriend had moved in with me. So we're like, what are we, what's happening? What are we going to do? Um, and so, um, Scott Papik, yeah, who had done, Scotty um, e. I think nights and afternoon drive, um, on the edge in the late nineties, 2000. I can't remember exactly the years. He was a good um, seed, Scotty Papik. He was a great guy. Yeah. He still is a great guy. Yeah. Um, he got into doing voice overs and he had a bunch of stations he had um a big station in los angeles um he had anyway he had a bunch of stations and um i can't remember if he tipped me off but he was doing the 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 voice for 101x in austin Mm -hmm. and so i applied there and um talked to the the pd and at the time, I didn't. I was like, oh, I don't know what Austin is, but it's a job that'd be great. And so I went out there and did a couple of interviews, um, and went back a second time. And this is a hilarious radio story. They're <laughs> they're like, all right, we're gonna do like a mock morning show with the guy that's been here named Jason, and we flew in another guy who's like the super producer guy that everybody's like, this guy's the future of radio. Okay. And we all got in a room and Jason and I just hit it off immediately. And we became like super good friends. Did we just become best friends? We did. We did. We were (laughs) like stepbrothers. So many activities. Um, But the guy they brought in to do the production was, God bless him, in my opinion, the single most annoying person I had met at that time. And he was just, you know, he was looking to get in everywhere and make, and he was just like a weirdly off-putting character yeah so by the end of that i mean it was we didn't even have to do the airship to know that this was not gonna fly so afterwards i was like i'm sorry i can't i just you know yeah and so they told that guy that day like there's still like two days left on the trip or something and they're like all right dude and he was mad obviously uh but he he ended up being radio he ended up, you know, being a super big producer somewhere during something. God bless him. Awesome. Yeah. I'm glad it worked out for him. Just didn't work with me. So I got hired at 101X in um, late spring of 2005. So I worked in Austin uh, the rest of 2005, 2006. And then in 2007, um, they about halfway through that process, we hired a producer um, from another morning show, um, super awesome. Her name was Deb, um, British, great. Just she was she was really um, awesome in her job. Um, and then um, there was a little tension. Uh, she was she was really good, and I think was you know wanted to be a larger part of the show, which is you know great. That's what you want to do. But it was there was a little bit of tension, um, and um, Emmis owned a bunch of stations and, and in 2007 in was it August or so they cut 11% of their staff across the board. They had um, Q101 in Chicago had 
I think 11 people on the morning show or 10, they fired all but one of them. Yeah. (laughs) And so it was budget cutting across the board. And, you know, when you're in radio and you're the nail that sticks the highest up above the, you know, on the board, they nail you down. So it wasn't like I was making amazing money, but compared to the other two people on the show, they're like, "Mm, yeah, I mean, he's expendable. We have awesome Deb, awesome Jason. Do we need him? Yeah. So I was let go as part of the, (sighs) the budget cuts that they did um and that was 2000 the end of, that was the end of summer 2007 so that um, was right before the market turned before we had before we went into the recession yes which was like right before either. um <clears throat> and they had never you know that station had never had um they still had all live jocks when i went there they didn't have they didn't they hadn't had cuts and so slowly they were cut, starting to cut people even when I was there. And it was like the writing's on the wall. They're, you know, yeah. they're going to start, as you know, how they go through staff. Um, kind of the only really two sad parts, obviously, I loved working there and, and the staff was great and Deb and Jason were awesome. Um, we did, um, have, have you guys been to Austin and the Austin Chronicles, like the weekly, it's like the like, alibi. Like, yeah, alibi. Yeah. But it's like, but it's huge and it's, it's, you know, has a, carries a lot of weight and, um, we, you know, started running promotions like, Hey, let's win the best morning show. And I was like, that's a dumb idea. <laughs> well, you know, you're going to go, Hey, vote for me. If people want to yeah, vote, they want to vote. Weird, yeah. You know, it is. But Deb was like, no, that's an awesome idea. So what we did is good cop, good cop, bad cop, where I was like, literally like, D- seriously, don't, if you want to, please do. But Deb would be like, no, I'm going to be out of the corner of like you know, that, yeah. slaughter and, yeah. and come by and, you know, I'm going to give out free stuff. And I even wrote a song called Don't Vote For Us in the Austin Chronicle poll. <laughs> I mean, it was a fun, like, yeah, yeah. And um, so that was during, you know, May or whatever, however long they keep the, the voting. So they closed the voting and we're going on, going on with the show, going on with the show. And then I get let go. Now, obviously, the voting's done. It's now two months later, and they're about to announce the winners like three weeks after they let me go. We won. We ended up winning the best morning show. Wow. But because I was no longer on the show, they couldn't have me in it. So it was best morning show, uh, Jason and Deb. So it had been the Mike and Jason show up until that point. I was like, God dang it. At least let me go out with something I can put on the resume, but... Um, you know the same thing happened to us when we got fired oh really in the alibi yeah like literally the week before we got fired seven days before uh-huh. the best of burke came out yeah and we finally got the number one morning yeah. show we beat nice. we beat donnie yeah. <laughs> yeah nobody finally he had won i don't know how many years in a row yeah and yeah yeah did, and we, we, we kind of did the same thing we kind of campaigned a little bit for it we barely we barely did but it was one I of those mean, weird things where it felt weird when you were like hey it, go vote for weird. us you know and so it was like you like it you do it yeah so i think we mentioned it a couple times but when we beat donnie Oh, that was that Gosh, was sweet, man. Yeah, that was sweet. Because Donnie's the best. Gosh, I love. He that is guy. awesome. I yeah. um, I remember a few of those polls. I finished. I was I don't know why, but I finished second to Donnie a bunch of times, which is like you know almost Good. winning. I guess <laughs> Donnie and the non always the non peak category. Well, because Donnie always campaigned. You know that's, yeah. that's you know. Well, that's, he had a group of people his called angels. Donnie's Angels. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and they would. 
campaign for him uh-huh. like crazy. Yeah. And that's why he wins. Yeah. He's God bless. Great. I love Donnie Chase. I yeah. still see him every well, not any during the quarantine, but when I'd go in and fill it. Do you want to pull for your back? No, I, I mean, I am old. I do look kind of decrepit sitting here. It's a comfortable um, couch. Sorry. It's- uh, so two, we're now we're in 2007 and that was a really weird year because at the beginning of the year I had, um, um, I had really bad kidney stones. Oof, I know um, like. and I got, I went to the hospital and then I had, I had to have a surgery and then I got some weird surgery, like illness did you get like mercer or something like that yeah like some and then for- so i had to go back man and so i missed like i don't know maybe overall three weeks or so of a morning show which is really hard and then i was kind of like slowly coming back because i mean literally my um i flatlined at one point i don't remember this because i was on so many drugs and they apparently had to come in and do a bunch of stuff and i don't i don't have a recollection like you died at all. yeah I've, oh. di- I've died twice it's that's what this tattoo is. No way. <laughs> oh. So. We're going to have to unpack that too. Yeah. I need to. We'll, we'll pin that. So I had already like missed a whole bunch of time. And then they hired a new operations manager who was like 25. Oh. And he came in. He loved Deb. Deb's so awesome and lovable. In fact, Deb and Jason, I think, have won every Austin Chronicle pull since then are they still doing the show they're still doing it wow. no shit so it was wow. a great decision by emmis they did the exact right thing um but you know for a year or two i was pretty sour about it of course and you know i wasn't um you know i didn't blame deb it wasn't deb's fault per se but it wasn't you know necessarily the best we've we've patched all that stuff up and i still go to austin and hang out with jason and stuff but um just not deb uh no she's got her own thing okay. which is cool um um, so the sickness, then they hired a new guy and can I, I'm, I don't want to, I don't remember this guy's name. I'm sure somebody, I don't, anyway, the, opera- was, the new operations yes, manager, he loved Deb, which is great. And so I knew automatically I was, I'm like, this is not going to end well for me because he's going to find a way. Yeah. Um, and he also made a lot of really bad suggestions about what to do on the show that were pretty off color and not, not what you guys were used to. No, it was shocking. I can't repeat them because okay. of their insensitivity. I'm like, really? I mean, it was that he was like a 25 year old kid that wanted to do like the worst shock jock ridiculousness. And we're like, okay, this is Austin. This is a little different than, you know, a different market. So that was not so good. Then my mom died. Um, and so I had to come back for funerals and stuff like that. And so. From like the first six months of the year, I'd missed a bunch of time. We had a new boss. So the writing was kind of coming on the wall. So when the budget cuts came, I mean, I was a pretty... It was an easy I was a contender. For them, yeah. Yeah. You know, so... Um, but, in you know, again, in their defense, best choice. Yeah. Best decision. I mean, it's worked out. They are, you know, legendary in the Austin market these days. So, um, and they deserve all the success. It's awesome. But there I was. I'm like, now what am I going to do? So that's when my Michael Henningsen, I came back and worked for the state. And then I did that for about three years and then uh, moved over to the Dental Association where I've been for 74 years. Yeah. Wow. But you haven't that's really story. been back. I mean, you come on radio stations like yeah. 94 Rock and stuff yeah, yeah. like that. And, but you didn't have another show when you no. came back. Okay. It was the fun was when like you guys would call and say, hey, come in and do a segment yeah. or 
Tomas would call or, you know. Who? Uh, who? <laughs> Sorry. Or, um, or, um, you, you know, started doing TJ. a lot of stuff with TJ and, and then after TJ was Swami and Phil. Yeah. And, yeah. So, and I had, you know, cause I knew all those guys for so long and yeah. they're all super awesome. Um, there's some weird near misses, near misses, like, and I think it was between the zone. I think it was before moving to California. Um, Larry Aaron's. I interviewed with Larry Aaron's to do a show with him, to be like a producer. Oh, when slash, he, you know. when he went over to um, after he left Kob. Yeah, yeah. When he went to um, it was, uh, it was American General Media. Yeah. yeah, he was on AGM for a while, and that was you know that wasn't going to be the best fit. But I, Larry and I had always gotten along. We'd worked together at the zone, or at the he was on Kob, and I was at the zone. Um, but yeah, I mean, generally. 99.9% of the people I worked with in radio were awesome and I still maintain relationships or try to. Yeah. There's one or two people that were that are never gonna <laughs> just not Was it Gene you know. and Julie? Uh I cannot confirm or deny one of those people. Yeah, definitely. They were yeah. I think they're still doing it. There was uh for people who don't know, they were <clears throat> they were a morning show for the peak for a while and an odd couple married. Mm-hmm. And I believe they still might do radio. I I, I think Somewhere, I think, I think they do, but uh, definitely odd folk. And they took me out for drinks once. They're like, "Do you want to go have drinks?" And I was like, "Sure, let's go have drinks." And I swear, I swear, they were trying to like if 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 roofies were out then, they would have <laughs> roofied me, and I would have woke up with that man on top of me. <laughs> I I don't know his his story. I just know that him and I did not. Yeah. See, I we were in um in those days the the peak door opened to the edge door. It was yeah. literally like two feet apart, so you could hear what they were doing. They could hear what we were doing. Yeah. Um. And at the time, there wasn't internet, so um when shows needed to get information in the morning, they got what was called a prep service, mm-hmm. and it would print out twenty pages of like right. wacky news items. So today, when you're like, you know. When they're doing today's wacky story of the day, man yep. in Cincinnati sits on firecracker. In those days, you had to wait for it to like exactly print up so yeah. you get the stack of stuff. Yeah. So they were doing some promotion about, hey, fax us from your work and we're going to give away flowers or whatever. Right. And they took the fax machine and put it in there. And I'm like, my entire show is predicated. Yeah. On this. So I knock on the door and they're like, not answering. Oh my gosh. And then I knock on the door again. They're like, what? Like what? That is not your fax machine. Yeah. That's the office fax machine. Can you put it back? It took him like an hour, and then they were like really mad about it. And he like tried to push me oh, over with wow. the fax machine. I'm like, it is on, dude. Wow, this is not your realm. Yeah. This is an office where we anyway. Yeah. So from then on, we didn't get along, and then I kind of told everybody about it, and nobody believed me because they were beloved. And then yeah. they all anyway. Yeah, they Buck and I were treated like the redheaded stepchild. You know, for a lot of years. And, well, uh, you know, 94 Rock was always kind of the big gun, you know? And yeah. So we were kind of, I mean, I, I, I will say this. Um, everybody over there at Clear Channel iHeartRadio was just amazing, you know? Because yeah. they always supported us. But we always did feel like we were really fighting to stay alive. We were. You know? We were. Look at that. Yeah. That's, that's Gene these days. Good for them. I wish them the best of luck. And, you know, in Raleigh, looking North back Carolina. in 1995, 96, <laughs> it was not a good yeah. 97 or whatever. Just, we, did, aged, we did not get along. Yeah. She's aged a little bit better than he has. <laughs> 
I don't. I don't. Hey, we've all know. had our drama with radio <laughs> yeah. people, so we get it. You know. Um. So yeah. So that's there's my life story. Thanks for having me. That's great. So let's talk about this. These deaths. You've died twice. Uh, my heart stopped twice. Yeah. The first. The first one was when uh, my uh, my that same ex girlfriend that I was with for eight years, her um, stepdad was a cardiologist at the Heart Institute, and I'd been having like for years since I was a, you know, maybe in my teens or something. Sometimes when I'd exercise, my heart would beat really weird. Yeah. Um, kind of the Hank Gathers thing. Remember Hank Gathers yeah. died on the court and I'll, you know, people go through like, and I, I would complain about it every once. So I didn't hurt. It was just really weird. Yeah. And um, she was like, you should probably go see my, my stepdad. And I was like, <laughs> whatever, whatever, you know, it's probably whatever. You know, I'm probably young. <laughs> You know, I'm still in my 20s. Um, She's like, no, you really should go see him. All right, fine. So I made an appointment and went down to the heart hospital and they put you on a treadmill and stuff. And so it it fires up, you know, starts, you know, beep, 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 and like trips. And it's going. It was like 220 beats a minute or something. I don't know what that means. Is that bad? And they're like, yeah, you need to get off there. And so. I'm laying down and it's not stopping. They're like, how long does this last? I'm like, I don't know, a couple minutes. And it would not stop. And they could not stop it. So you know it's bad when the doctor calls another doctor in. And they're like, oh, my God. And they call a third doctor in. Oh, my god! Look at this guy. Look at his heart. Look, he just keeps going. (laughs) And so they, I don't know what the the medical people out there can tell me, but they inject you, they inject you with something that stops your heart. So they, they're like, this, we need, this is dangerous. This, you could die right now. So they jabbed me and filled me with a serum, which stopped my heart. It was just like the movie Flatliners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just this like is crazy. It. So, and it is a weird experience. What people, uh, what you guys sitting here and people listening right now don't realize, um, is that you don't you don't feel it because you're used to it, but your body is in motion, constantly in motion. Yeah, you don't you know you don't think about your heart beating, you right. don't think about your the motion. Um, but when your heart stops and everything stops, and it's like the split second of going cold, it's like this realization: like my body has just stopped working, and it is the weirdest feeling. And so it stopped the heart. Boom, 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 and it restarted as they're like, great. Boom, 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 and then it re-triggered. They had to do it a second time. And so at the end of that, they're like, yeah. So we're going to need to see you for surgery tomorrow. It's like restarting a computer. It you is. Know? And it's like, oh man, we got to go in and take this yeah. apart. Unfortunately, I was not rebooted with the good updates. Dang it. Man, you like still the same bugs. programming. Yeah. <laughs> so you had to have the surgery. So the next day I went in. I and think they I remember in, that you yeah. having to have a heart surgery. They went in through my neck and my groin with tubes and they put cameras up there and then they shot a laser in there. Wow. Did what they um, do an ablation? That's what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, but it was, I was in there in the morning and out by afternoon. Did they do the freezing ablation? So you basically had AFib, right? Yeah, atrial uh, fibrillation, I think that's mm-hmm. what it's called. Yeah. And so what they do is they treat it by either cauterizing mm-hmm. or they freeze like areas of your heart to get it where it beats properly. They lasered it. Wow. 
Mm. Yeah. So that was that time. And then the second time was uh, when I had, had too much the cocaine? Two, no. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, that was that me. Was the, <laughs> Not him. That was the uh, surgery time. That was when a, the kidney stones were really bad because I had a pee hole laser surgery. Oh they go in gosh. Boop, with the two. Did you have some big your... kidney stones in there to blow up? Is that Yeah. Yeah. My dad like, had that. They didn't get them all, so like you gotta come oh. back. And then that was when I had to it was a whole thing. I've had so, kidney stones. So they they're st- awful, aren't oh, they? They stuck something up that. your pee hole and you died, basically, right? Uh no. That's what I would do if somebody yeah. stuck something up my pee hole. I would just die. <laughs> I'm not even joking. My I'm seriously, dad, I would want to fucking died die. when that happened. When they stuck that see? So if he you went in stick things up the pee hole, it will kill you. So my dad's yeah. had some heart stuff going on, you know, and he uh-huh. hit his seventies. And so he was laying they my mom rushed him to the hospital. Or actually called the ambulance. They got him to the hospital. He's laying there and they put the catheter in. As soon as they put the catheter in, flatlined. He flatlined. <clears throat> he was done, and they had to come in and freaking bring him back. But yeah, he, but he back. came back. Yeah, came back, but wow. the, it killed him. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, please God, I don't <laughs> ever want that to happen. <laughs> oh dear Lord, there has to be another way. There to has do to a be another way besides the pee hole. <laughs> Can't you just figure out another routing method? I mean, we put it's a the, fucking man yeah. on the moon, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the ear does that work the nose the hole is just not big enough you know? exactly. see the size of that catheter versus that <laughs> urethra opening it's one of these things is not like the other oh it my was gosh that was no that was not good um so that's my life story thanks for having me and wow. yeah, check you guys out later uh, <laughs> thanks for coming in yeah, yeah. no that's, that's a great story man it's it's fun to hear yeah. you know other people's uh stories especially in radio you know because yeah you know, a lot of a lot of similar things, you know, that we can relate to. Yeah, I think that's it's kind of like a family. You know? Yeah, so yeah. It's like it, it really is. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's like we're all we were all doing the same thing, and yeah, you it's know. like being in the army or, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Band like of brothers. Same. No, yeah. it's, I'm, I'm and sisters. I'm super yeah. proud of you know Buck and I. You know, we we yeah, we you had guys a did long awesome. run on the edge. Very. I mean, yeah. I was in radio for twelve years. Yeah, and I think you guys were in. You did twenty. I well, I Ooh. did. I was around seventeen, eighteen years yeah, at the that's edge. Awesome. And then we were together for like 14, yeah. Well, I had my 15. time there before I got fired, and then we were back yeah. for like another fourteen. So yeah, that's so amazing. Right? I mean, that's, yeah. It was no, that. we were we were definitely a unicorn. I mean, what people don't understand, if you're listening right now, morning shows don't typically last. That the shelf life for yeah. a morning show is maybe probably about three years. And then they kind of switch them out. So. Especially through that recession too. You know, we yeah. had just got into a really good contract and the recession hit. And so we were basically just kind of locked in. And, you know, I think about it now with, you know, some of the same radio people, they're still like, you know, Jackie and Tony, yeah. and, you know, uh, you know, Phil and, and uh, all, all those guys over there. It's just like, they're still cruising through, yeah. you know, this pandemic, you know, and um, I, th- I think they'll be around for a while. I can't see it changing you know, maybe in the next 10 years or something, but unless somebody retires, I mean, yeah, yeah. Tony won't even come on. Like he's so protective of his job. He won't come on the yeah. podcast. Like, oh, wow. He, he yeah. said, he says the day we get fired, we'll come, I'll come on the podcast. Yeah. Well, he's always been, you know, and he's an, he's an amazing boss. Great guy to work with. Tony yeah. Monero's legit. Yeah. He's all right. And, uh, <laughs> no, but he's, he's no Bill book. May. No, Bill May was, yeah. Bill May was the, the best. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he just buy the book and uh, you know just just a good dude and yeah, most of those people over there, man, they're just great. Like great I, experiences with. I was on their um, quarantine shows. Yeah, um, yeah, we did a. Well, I invited yeah. him on one. I was on one with them. Yeah, yeah, and those are fun. And I, you know, 
and non-quarantine times i've been known to have a drink with ryan now and then yeah, and, yeah ryan's been there forever um, you know i hang out with Talas a good deal and yeah. i hang out with um i was over at rob's house uh in the driveway last week and I'll text with Phil, and I mean, I. It's good to have all those relationships. Now and you're in my great, basement, and now I'm in your basement. Yeah. So, like I said, uh, the vast, vast majority of people that I worked with, and I'm sure you're the same, yeah. can still catch up after a lot of years and be like, "Oh, remember this and and yeah. that." Um, and so it was, um, it was a really, really special, especially the '90s. I think was a really special time because it was before the internet. It was before. The it, was iPod. Sim- it was simpler times, man. It yeah. Was. And that's when radio had such a great pull. And right. you could, you know, giving away a CD was like, oh my God, yeah. the new CD is coming out. Yeah. We, yeah. I can't wait to get this. Um, and people would line up. And some of the stuff they posted about when Morrissey came. Mm-hmm. And was that the state? How crazy is that? Or meeting, you know, Skip and I went to, to um, Miami. And I got to meet you two and hang out with them. And then the next night go to dinner and you two's manager comes and hangs out with us and buys us champagne. Um, you know, going to New York uh, for, I interviewed Perry Farrell in New York. And then the next day we were at the 97 Tibetan freedom concert. Um, I got to interview Adam Young for the beastie boys wow. and, uh, and Bradley Knoll before he died. Mm. Um, like a few weeks before he died. Um, just such great i mean it was a great time it was yeah. when radio was still meaningful and a great way to communicate things totally. to people and people built that relationship with their morning shows yeah. and their and the personalities whatever yeah. time of the day people yeah. love their night person because yeah. they would yeah. call in and be like you know and when i started nights we did you know we do a like a countdown mm-hmm. and people would freak out and call about yeah. you know their favorite songs um and i started the new music show on the edge um, in 95 on Sunday nights and, you know, got for better or worse was the first person to play things like limp, limp biscuits, faith or corn or whatever, among other, like really, you know, garbage or whoever was coming, no doubt. Um, you remember the C- the FMQB CDs that would come out? Yeah. And they were like these compilation CDs of like things. up and coming artists. When those yeah. things can't, when I got a new one, I'd be like, oh man, these are yeah. the new, new bands. Um, in 98? A 99, 90, um, Kit and I got on one of those uh, morning show compilations. Those are cool. Send out I used to the, love the magazines. Yeah. Uh, and I still have that. I was listening to the, uh, it the other day, and obviously this is 20 plus years later. And I was like, I don't, I can't really post a lot of this because the content's a little, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, we can't really say these things anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah, it was a great, uh, an awesome time. And, um, you know, I, I can't really, you know, could things be better or could they be worse? Sure. But it was, I, for, a for many years, I get to live the dream of a lot of people Yeah, and, you know, per, you know, what else was I going to do with my life? I was going to be a teacher yeah. working a liquor store. Yeah. Radio is definitely for me, one of those things that I, for, for so many years, I couldn't believe I was getting paid for it. You yeah, know? absolutely. It was like, they're going to pay me to get up and just make people laugh you know and i get like to be creative in a sandbox yeah that's what it was like you know crazy like yeah. you're just playing with your friend in a sandbox and we're getting paid for it yeah the and uh, that it's the blessing and the curse is the freedom because you can do whatever you want but then the freedom kind of becomes a curse if you're on for a long time because then you start like i gotta keep coming up with new stuff yeah i gotta keep doing you know 
And it sounds weird, but sometimes you get jaded. I know when I was at at 101X, I was a little jaded in a sense. Um, we because had, it becomes a job. Yes. Well, I kind of feel like that's where we were. Like, you know, Buck, mm-hmm. myself, and Baxter. I think there was just kind of that... I don't know. I think the three of us really, our hearts weren't in it a hundred percent. You just kind of like, you did kind of just show up and go through yeah. the motions and it's like, it gets hard. Oh, let's just replay a, 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 a funny moment that happened this morning because it doesn't seem like anybody really wants to be here. It was just like yeah. the last year or two was weird and a lot of drama. And, but I, I mean, that happens, you know, it's like, yeah. you really do have to, it's like a relationship. Tony it's used like to, we used to have therapy sessions with, uh, with Tony. <laughs> yeah. He'd come in and be like, this is therapy. You know, you have to put work in. Yeah. Well, you it's like spend anything, time with you, you know, it's you like, know? it's like, uh, you have a relationship with these people. Yeah. It's like when you're married or you have a girlfriend, it's like, it's just like a car. It's like, you have to maintain it. Yeah. You have to change the oil and, you know, rotate the tires and, and put on new wiper blades yeah. and, you know, it takes maintenance and it takes yeah. work and people forget that. Yeah. Um, so when I was at 101X and I had been in radio for eight or nine or whatever, how many years, and I'd done morning shows for most of those years, I was, you know, I went in and Jason and I started doing a show um, and we had a consultant and the consultant, Steve Reynolds, really awesome, knowledgeable, super smart guy. His like other accounts were the station, the hip hop station where we got shot in in New York. <laughs> And like the same, like a station in LA and he was their mentor. So he was, you know, contracted to Emma. So he worked with us. So, you know, I was like this, I know what I'm doing. I'm Mr. Radio guy. He came in and broke us down. I mean, those are tough. It's, yeah. it makes you really like, well, I know, you know, like he, for example, you kind of have an ego anyway. Of course, radio, yeah. You know, because you, you, that's your thing. It's your yeah. show, you know? And like, I came up with this, you know, whatever bit it was, we used to do the moxie minute where it was kind of, you know, wacky stories of the day. And he's like, okay, that's great. Well, what's, how's that serving the listener? I'm like, I never, I don't know, because it's funny. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, is that good enough? Like, I guess. <laughs> Well, it's not, you know, does it generate phoners? No. Are you interacting with your audience? No. Is it part of your core message? Yeah. Are you, um, can you spin this off into, into a different topic? Can you, yeah. and he, he like really broke you down into like, yeah. it, I became so much better after that because, sure, you know, I was like, I don't know if cocky is the word, but like, well, I don't know. I know what I'm doing. And it's, you know. I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. No, <laughs> this is it's, awful. It's, it's a lot like being like an artist, a painter, you know? Yeah. It's like you create something and then you're, and then some guy comes in and is like, hey, nah, you're doing it all wrong. This isn't well, art. Yeah. How do you, I like that you're using so much a canvas, better. but let's change everything else. Exactly. Yeah. That's the, what it was. Yeah. And you really have to yeah. take your ego out of it and mm-hmm. take a step back and go, oh, you know what? Maybe I can be better. Maybe I don't agree with a lot of the stuff, but there might be some nuggets in there that I can use. That's yeah. kind of how I always, when I'm, we'd have meetings with our boss and consultants and stuff, it was like, all right, I'm going to take a step back. I'm just going to, I'm offended, but maybe I can. There's got to be something in here, you know? And sometimes you'd find that one thing that would just be your Big Mac, you know? <laughs> you know? That's what I called it, that Special Big Mac. Sauce. Yeah, it's like, Special oh, sauce. man, and it just works. I mean, there's so many things that we've tried that just failed. We thought would be amazing, and it just like, you know, yeah. splat, you know? So that was, I mean, yeah. but it was a lesson that I take from that time on in the last 10, 15 years is like, 
you know, I'll, there's always can always be a better way to do something. There's yeah. always whatever way I think is working might not be the best way. Yeah. Because I think a lot of, and that's a valuable lesson in life because so, so many people are in their silos and they're mm-hmm. like, this is the best way to do it. Sorry. And you're like, okay, but maybe there could be, maybe there's not. Right. But there might be. Yeah. And anyway, so do you want to talk about my music career? <laughs> well, I was actually going to ask about that, but I mean, but before, before we transition into that, do you, uh, do you have like, uh, What's what's the big radio memory that sticks out for you personally? Like like the biggest one? Um, the oh, there's interview there's so many. a bit. Um, uh, I don't know. I posted the Coldplay thing the other day. Cool, yeah. Um, and it was I was not a, I'm not a Coldplay fan necessarily, but the the difference in Albuquerque, which is depending on the year in the low seventies, uh, uppers or the upper seventies, low sixties, as far as market size, but Austin was 30, whatever it was. Um, and also it was a music city, obviously. So people would come through and we got so many amazing interviews. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> you know, that was a really funny one. We were, Jason and I were joking about, songwriting and drinking in the morning and and so i asked chris martin about songwriting he's like uh you know usually i write about what i what i do or what i did i get up and i'll write a little bit and we joked that oh yeah jason got up this morning wrote you know i'm going to the fridge for another beer and it's only 6 a.m and and jason said well you can give me you know i need a million dollars if you put that on the on your album and Chris Martin's like, you're gonna have a hundred million dollars if that's on the next Coldplay album. <laughs> <laughs> it was like that was really funny, but I think, you know, some of the stuff I already mentioned, just being able to go and take so many trips and see bands everywhere. Yeah. And um, you know, some of the stuff I posted about the the corn rob zombie night where the I don't remember the show, but it's the people I was with. Yeah. And then later going and hanging out with them. Yeah. Um, it's like drinking after Edge Fest too, you know, sitting with yeah. like super drag and like super, finishing yeah. a, finishing a keg with those guys or yeah. whatever with the new uh, promotions girl or whatever. Uh, I remember the first interview I had to do was the Funk Junkies, and they actually came in the station. Yeah. It's like I'm like, what do I do? How do I do this? Um, I thought they were going to be big. I did. They did not get big. Um, they did not. Frank get big. Black from the Pixies. Yeah. Uh, came in the station. Mike. Um, uh, he he brought his guitar and I was still this is I was only a few months in radio so I had the mic set up and I was letting he brought an acoustic guitar and was playing uh, and it wasn't until after the first segment of interview and him playing that I realized I hadn't turned his mic on oh my god uh, so I've I have a great air check before. of that <laughs> I've been there before oh I know what that's like yeah um uh, what else um. God, the Edge Fests were great. Five, a picture of you and I. Uh, uh, was that back when I, I had long hair? You had long hair, and I had a short, like frosted tip. You know, it's the nineties oh, yeah. hair yeah. and two earrings. And and Buck and I were in walking around, and they were like surrounded by like twelve year olds who wanted our autographs. Yeah. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. It's an autograph? Yeah. Why the two of us? Yeah, Why? right. Yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah. We're like, okay, we'll sign your shirt. Um, yeah. Those are really weird moments. Um, 
just the the fun of being able to go to shows and being able to 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 meet the bands or just be like I got to watch the Red Hot Chili Peppers from the side of the stage That's from cool. here five feet away is Flea or John Frusciante or whoever yeah. three different times. Yeah. I mean, on literally on stage. Yeah. Um, Rancid came and the zone did a promotion with them and Tim Armstrong was super cool. Was that when they, went, I think they played the wool warehouse that show, right? Was it? Uh, it was sunshine. It was sunshine. Um, and so we got to literally like hang out and spend the day with them. Um, and watch their show from the side of just those kind of things. Yeah. Meeting you too was yeah to meet the edge. I met the edge and Adam Clayton and I growing up, I loved them. They were my favorite band when I was in high school. And um, so Adam Clayton comes over. This is during the uh, zoo TV tour. Cause yeah. so he's in like an orange jumpsuit um, and he comes over and he's like, Oh, gross. So where are you from? Like Albuquerque. He's like, Oh, Albuquerque. Have we played there? I'm like, no, never played. Okay, so we took a picture. I don't have a copy of that picture, unfortunately. And then the edge comes by. Uh, and their meet and greet wasn't a meet and greet. It was a room with wine. And there's people just milled around and the band just walked through. Yeah. And this time it happened to be the edge and Adam. So edge comes over and goes, oh, so where are you from? I'm like, Albuquerque. Oh, Albuquerque. Have we ever played there? Yeah. <laughs> like the same was like, oh. I do have the picture of the edge and he was in his black cowboy hat and his muscly t-shirt. Yeah. Paint. Anyway, which is awesome. And this lady keeps bringing us wine and we didn't figure out till later. It was Bono's wife. who's like giving us wine. Well, this is crazy. And we watched from the soundboard and we're next to Elvis Costello and Hanson and Kevin Sorbo. I don't know. All these crazy people are like staying there. Like, this is the craziest thing yeah. ever. Um, I went to, I saw Radiohead at, in Madison, in, um, uh, Radio City Music Hall, my friend Ed Green, um, uh, who was their, uh, record rep and we're going up the stairs to our seats and Carrie Russell is right in front of me, like going up the stairs. So my yeah. face is in her butt. Yeah. Cause that's what happens. I don't like, Oh my God, this is so awesome. Carrie yeah, Russell's yeah. hot. And we sat down and like the MTV people were behind us, like. I don't remember their names in those days. Kevin, some, I don't know. And the Strokes were next to us. So we watched the show. Oh, that was, I'm sorry. That was a different, that was the MTV $2 bill show. So I got, I saw them. That was at Beacon Theater. And then I believe, yes. So it was after that show, um, we met Ed. And Ed was with um, Lisa Marie Presley because she was on the label. So it's Lisa Marie Presley, me, Ed, and um, my girlfriend and somebody else at the time. And we're, we go to this after party where uh, the bass player from Radiohead's going to DJ. And we're sitting there. And I'm like sitting basically next to Lisa Marie Presley. And Ed's like, don't talk to her. She brought her own bottle of like liquor. Yeah. was drinking. All, it was like the craziest. So I'm like, well, I'll go up and request a song. And I go up and... Albert Hammond Jr. from The Strokes saddles up next to me. I'm like, hey. And he puts his arm around me like, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. It's the bass player from Raiderhead's going to play our song. Oh, wow. And, it, and I was like, oh, I just saw you guys. I'd seen him in Albuquerque, I guess, two years before. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, we almost broke up after that show. And, and we're like, these are crazy stories. Yeah. Um, 
that U2 thing, the manager came over and sat with us at dinner and I had yellow dyed hair. And um, when we did part of the meet and greet stuff, uh, we're standing around taking other pictures and this woman's like, hey, can we take your picture? And it's like me and another guy. I'm, uh, oh, it was, that was when the edge was there. Sorry. Yeah, another guy. Yeah. You know, just, just the, the edge. edge. And I'm like, okay. So she's taking pictures. And everybody walks off and she looks at me and starts smiling. And I'm like, like she knows me. And I'm like, hi. I'm like, how are you? She's like, great. How are you? I'm like, okay. And she wanders off. And I'm like, that's Helena Christensen. <laughs> The supermodel who was in Chris Isaac's Wicked Game video and was one of those. It's like, this is really freaky weird. Yeah. So the next night we're at dinner. Did you think at any point that like one of these things is not like the other and you're about to become like a human sacrifice or something? (laughs) (laughs) Like some weird, (laughs) some weird, like we have like, this is awesome, but something just doesn't seem right. (laughs) Yes. And then they served me onto, like they, People with black robes were surrounding me exactly. and eating my liver. Yeah. Um, so the next time we went to dinner and <clears throat> Paul McGinnis happened to be in the restaurant and came over and he knew Ed because they Ed flew on him with the plane and stuff. So he sits down next to me and he's like, uh, so, uh, hey, I heard you were mistaken for someone last night. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, Helena Christensen. The reason she took that picture, she thought I was Larry Mullen Jr. <laughs> oh my gosh. Because she was so whacked out on whatever. I obviously did not look like Larry Mullen Jr. So then I'm like, who told them that story? Because it was either, it was me and the edge and her. Yeah. Okay. So if one of them told him that story. Yeah. He then related it to Larry Mullen Jr. Who thought it was funny. He then sat there for like 45 minutes telling us how Larry had a stalker. They caught the stalker. And they're like, hey, we caught your stalker, Larry. He's like, oh, good. Hold him there. I want to come see him. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, like, these crazy stories. Yeah. And then he goes and sits down. I'm like, this is the craziest night. And the waiter comes over and says, uh, your champagne? We're like, we didn't order champagne. Compliments of the gentleman. And we turn around and he's waving at us. We're like, what the fudge? Uh, so that was probably, those are the biggest ones. Yeah. I think, I know that when I listened to the Leah Black one, I got to meet Dave Navarro. Yeah. So that was actually, that was actually at a lot of Lollapalooza. And I was so nervous um, meeting Dave Navarro that the interview was a little sketchy. And I started with the same question that I ended with. And so um, Stephen Perkins started calling me bookends. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a sign, you know, where they sign stuff and the two bookends and they signed it. That was, I can't remember you and Lee were talking about something, but there was like, that was a Lollapalooza. That was separate from a different interview that I did, which I don't know. Was it the Perry, was it the Perry Farrell interview where he was kind of like, he sounded like he was into it when he was recording, but then he was like rolling his eyes at you during the interview while you were asking questions. No, because we didn't interview. He wasn't into that interview. That. Yeah. It was, it was Steven um, and Dave Navarro. Oh, okay. So that might, he, I interviewed Perry Farrell maybe five times, so I can definitely think he rolled his eyes at me at many of those interviews. Um, but it wasn't that particular one, no. Oh. Um, yeah, so those are, I mean, those were good times. Those yeah. were, um, I'm sure I'm missing 
hundreds of other ones. There, but- you know, it's funny. It's like you can think about like all the big things that happened, but then you think about like just some of the cool, fun shit you got to do. And yeah. it's not necessarily like, you know, sitting with Hugh Hefner at the Playboy Mansion, you know, while mm-hmm. Seven Mary Three is playing for you. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's cumbersome at, again <laughs> at that time, you know? It's like, it's like, yeah, there was this one time where we had to broadcast at the state fair and I went in and I was like wrestling with tigers, like fucking Joe exotic <laughs> yeah. from tiger King, you know? And it's like, you have your giant brick phone taped to your hand just so the tiger won't knock it out of your hand. Yeah. And like some of the shit that you used to do is just, yeah, it was a blast, man. And I think, and the, it changes too. I think every time you talk, like I said yesterday, they were talking about the dishwalla thing on 94, which is a whole nother set of memories. Or you would say, you know, remember this time, and things you don't even remember pop up and you're like, oh, those were yeah. great, you know. Yeah. For me, like I said, you guys were in it longer than I was. But for a dozen years, I mean, it was a pretty unbeatable, you know, I, I, I consider myself fortunate. There are times when I didn't feel as fortunate. Yeah. And it is a volatile industry and there's so much turnover. And that's one of the reasons I didn't continue doing it is because every two to four years, it seems like you were either having to move, find a new job, yeah. changing format. And it's not... It was, it's didn't have enough longevity that I yeah. felt comfortable. That's kind of where I felt in. after we got let go, I was yeah. sitting there going, you know, I don't know if no, I want my last. You were like all about it because you had that mindset of like, this is what I was born to do. Well, absolutely. But then when we got fired, it was shortly after that, you know, two, three years, I was like, mm-hmm. gosh, man, I'm almost 40. And do I want to spend the next 20 years getting fired every two to three years? Because I knew that's kind of, I mean, what we had was, is a rare thing. Yeah, you know, to so find it again. Yeah. And plus you weren't, you weren't making enough money in radio anymore. Those days kind of felt like, yeah, you know, you're kind of almost starting over from scratch and making just crap money, you know? And so I felt like, man, it's, it's, this isn't radio. Isn't what I, this isn't the love that I fell in love with. Like radio just changed it's, so much. It's totally different. I you mean, know? from when we started, you know, in the mid nineties until, until now is yeah. like, it's completely, it's completely different. different. I mean, yeah. I mean, even from like the mid nineties to like the mid two thousands, it had changed so drastically and yeah. so dramatically with, with the implementation of like certain types of, of, uh, systems that you could operate your music on you know like the scott system or the profit system Mm -hmm. which gave companies the avenue to have radio without having to pay for jocks and it's just you know it's 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 like that that thing that's happening around the world now it's like do more with less and it's really it's really taken a toll on radio it really has like the the golden days of radio i mean yeah and we talk about like the mid 90s is like yeah it was a blast and I remember I got into radio. I had seen a couple of movies. I saw this movie about a guy named Alan Freed, and it was called American Hot Wax. It was an old movie, you know, but it was about like the, he was like this really, really influential, big radio person, you know, and he was one of the first people that got convicted of payola, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I saw that. And then I remember after I saw Pump Up the Volume with Christian Slater, like that was, <laughs> that was the thing that like cemented it for me. Sure. Like, I, I saw it when I was in the military, when I was in the Navy, and I was like, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Because when I was a kid, I grew up, and there was a radio station down the street, and I used to go down there, and, hey, can I get a tour of this place? Can you show me how this stuff works? Yeah. And so it was always something fascinating to me. Yeah. But I don't think I'd ever go back to it again now, 
in no. a full-time capacity. Like, yeah. you know, I do like, uh, now I'm like the fill-in guy on KOB. Like that's yeah. going to be my new thing. And it's, mm. you know. It's okay. fun to keep your toes dipped in it. Yeah. It's, you know, if you um, can scratch the itch by going in and doing like a talk show or whatever, or, yeah. you know, you go on, you, you'll fill in for, for Swami or Phil mm-hmm. at 94. Yeah. You, know, you get to scratch that itch and, you know. That reminded me of a story. Um, you were saying when you were in the military and thinking about maybe, hey, you want to go into that. I, The reason I got into radio was not because I necessarily liked radio so much. I loved the music, mm-hmm. but it was because I was always, um, like I'd won, I was, uh, we won a film festival in the eighth grade, a national film festival. Um, and I won best actor and all this like stuff. So I was like, I was always kind of a, like a hey acting or comedy or music or whatever. So I just want to do entertainment stuff. And so I was like, um, you know, I was trying to write stuff. I was like, you know, trying to do maybe stand up comedy or so like something entertaining or music, whatever it was. And that became an avenue for it. And then when I got into it about when I was on 94 rock, they would bring comics in from, uh, was it laughs? Laughs, yeah. Yes. Russ Rivas bringing his comics. Um, and they brought in the Mojado brothers, and one of those guys was it Alex Ramundo was in like the Latin Kings of the mm-hmm. Comedy. Yeah. Um. So that was kind of like that was cool. And they're like, again, they're like, hey, you're funny. Why don't you come and open the show? I was like, stand up comedy. I don't have anything prepared. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, I'd love it. Like, can I? That'd be great. So I went. And I got to open the show and did a little, you know, five minute set or whatever, and then hung out with them afterwards, which involves a whole nother long story of me completely wasted driving across town to find weed for these guys. And I broke into Rain Man's house. I couldn't get him out of bed. So I broke into his Is house. Is this when he lived next door to me? No, it was, okay. he lived off of Tramway. That's a whole nother yeah. And he woke up, and that was the night he had just stopped sleeping with his gun under his pillow. Oh, you're lucky. Yeah. Because he would have shot you. Yes, he yeah. would have. Yeah. That, what a great friendship. The end of a great friendship. My friend broke into my house. He just wanted a joint. Exactly. That's all. Yeah. And I wasn't even for, I didn't smoke. I didn't care. But I wanted to impress those guys. So Russ Rivas says, hey, in a couple of weeks, we've got um, uh, Paul Rodriguez is coming back. And he, he goes there all the time. Do you want to open that show? It was like, open for Paul Rodriguez. Yes. And I went out and it was like crickets, you know, because people are paying 40, 50 bucks, three drinks to see Paul Rodriguez. A great comedy, you always, everybody bombs. Here comes the dopey white kid from the alternative rock station (laughs) doing a bit about, I did a bit about um, uh, Vince Neil of Motley Crue, like dies. And he was talking about shout at the devil. And the devil's like, really? (laughs) It's like you're so late anyway. Bro, you got you <laughs> gotta know your audience. I did not know the audience. It was a horrible bit. Oh man. I think I did a bit about Jesus playing basketball. Oh like, man. Like, oh <laughs> you know, the Son of God brought to you man. by the King of Beers, Budweiser. Like this not funny stuff. Yeah. And these people were just like crickets. And I ended up like I walked out on the tables. Oh. I'm like, hello? It was, rough. was the longest five minutes of your life. It oh was gosh. bad. So yeah, so that kind of cured me of that. I'm like, oh, I'm glad I have this job. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> but we also, I mean, I got to do film acting and you know, commercials, and I did a bunch of. I used to do sports shorts for Channel 13, mm-hmm. um, as they were like just comedy things, and I'm 
as soon as I get a VCR, I'm going to post some of that stuff. If you have a spare VCR, let if me anybody know. has a VCR listening, please, yes, please contact uh, can you, me. I thought, can you up. buy them at like Walmart for like twenty bucks or something? I went to like some of the thrift stores and they have like C or like D- DVD players, but no VCRs. Oh, really? I bet you huh. can find a VCR. Let me see. Hey, okay, you look or up. Amazon. You have to be able. I bet you Amazon. You could order one. You know? I've got years of that, like dumb commercials that we did and bits. Um, you know, because when you guys used to do, you know, you'd go and do um, like a like a remote or do a stunt and the news would show up and put on the news. You're yeah. like, this is awesome. So I have yeah, lots dude, of that here stuff. We go. Yes. LG super multi 24 X 39.99 at Best Buy. I want the 23 X. Do they have that? No, no this is the 24. How much is it? 40 bucks. Can you still That's buy a it? VCR? If you've ever asked yourself, do they still make VHS players? The answer is no, no money makes VCRs anymore. However, you can still buy them. There you go. Well, somebody's going to have one somewhere. They have a, it's a, it's a surplus. It's probably like military surplus VCRs that you're getting. <laughs> the camouflage VCR. With like the stenciling on the side. The troops when they were uh, in the desert or wherever they happened to be when we were still using VCRs. <laughs> when you're shipping over stacks of Or like... the Betamax. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those are all the great memories. Yeah. What are you doing for music stuff? You, you playing with anybody um, right now? Yeah. Because I know so, you did the Breaker 1-9 thing. Yes. Yeah, so back at, that started in 1999. Yeah, you did it that. Kind of like a, it was a joke. It was a joke band, me and Don Mickey. Well, Don started it, and he had a guy that worked for him at his shop. Um, They're like, hey, do you want to join? You know, we haven't played a show or anything. Do you want to join? I was like, okay. And it was country music. I'm like, this sucks. Um, But I'm doing it as a joke. Yeah. We wrote, you know, we did like... Truck driving, lovers on the road, truckers delivering their loads, like ridiculous stuff. So, but you know, it was me and him and Greg and um, uh, uh, the drummer was, uh, oh, he's going to kill me. Um, Neil, what was his name? He was a writer for the Alibi. Super cool, dude. And then Greg and, and him quit and moved. So we hired a rotating cast of other people throughout the years that played. Um, and we're in the band and we did a CD in the early two thousands. Um, and then, so yeah, so uh, it started as a joke and then I caught the bug of like country music. My dad used to listen to, you know, Willie Nelson or Merle Waylon Haggard, Jennings. Waylon Jennings, Merle Jennings yeah. So I love that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So when I say play country, people are like, that sucks. You're thinking like Blake Sheldon and yeah. it's like, no, I'm no, doing yeah. like 60s, 70s country, yeah. outlaw country. Like how can you not like like Waylon Jennings or, yeah. or dude, I'll listen to yeah. Waylon Jennings all day long. So that's the kind of stuff. And it's now, I guess technically it's like alternative country or Americana. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you dip towards that almost, you know, Jason is Billy ish, um, kind of almost rock in a sense. But then sometimes you're way over here towards that more classic stuff. But the, I put out, um, I put out two CDs in the last, three years, I guess. Um, uh, and both were nominated for best country album in the New Mexico music awards. Very cool. Neither did neither of one, but, <laughs> um, so they did the awards last week. Um, um, on zoom. Uh, yeah, it was, um, yeah, they just read off the winners. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, I'm more of a writer. I'm not a super good singer at all, but I love writing. I love creating songs. Um, so a couple of years ago, I was in um, filling in one of the mornings on 94 Rock. And it just happened to be, they were having the film and music experience 
thing that they do um, every year. And they had a band that was coming through. And Steve uh, Ferroni, the drummer for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, was in the studio. And I love Tom Petty. Love, love, love Tom Petty. But I figure, you know, he's sitting down next to me and we do the interview. And I'm like, I bet everybody talks to him about Tom Petty. But I'm going to talk to him because I started off as a drummer about his time doing studio work with Duran Duran. (laughs) And I'm like, hey, this song Skin Trade, where you do this hi-hat thing, you're like, you know, when I started playing drums and stuff, I used to listen to that over and over. He's like, you know that song? Yeah. And that part? Yeah. Mm. He was like engaged immediately. Yeah. That's and how you so, do it, man. That's yeah. really like, that's, that's a number one rule to get somebody when you're interviewing them. Yeah. Don't, don't ask the same questions. Cause mm-hmm. they just, they're like, Oh God, <laughs> I, I can't imagine what it's like for, for an artist to go in and have a radio guy sit there and interview you. So, uh, what's it like? Uh, so how did Tom you Petty come cool? up with your name for the band? Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody always asks the same question. We always, that's one thing I think we always talk about right. is like, Let's let's take this a different direction. Yeah. yeah. Let's make this fun. Exactly. So he was, uh, you know, so we're talking and we were talking about all kinds of music and he's played with so many people. Eric Clapton, he was the touring uh, drummer for him forever. Um, Real and- quick, did you ever see the documentary Hired Gun on Netflix or Hired Guns? No. You need to watch it because right. it's about studio musicians and essentially what it is is like there's a very small pool. You take 100% of musicians and then there's 1% oh, yeah. of these studio musicians like 11 people. that that <laughs> yeah. get that get passed around mm-hmm. to all these artists you know and this was more like rock stuff you know but it's like the 60s and 70s yeah were, you've got John Cougar yeah. Mellencamp's drummer uh what's that guy's uh, name Kenny Arnoff yeah Kenny Arnoff and you know how he's fighting to stay with the band you know wow. and and the shit that they do so it, it's cool that you get to see those guys like yeah like what's his name from tom petty Don't you know that. Yeah. It's, it's really good um so it, so we're having this conversation and you know we're talking forever like this is crazy and he's like do you still play drums i'm like no i i sing and play now and he's like oh what kind of music I'm like country he's like country i don't know much about country I'm like, well, it's not. So I go into explaining him. I'm starting telling him all these artists he needs to check out. And he's like, hey, um, will you text me some of those names? And he takes out a business card and writes his name on, or his number on it and hands it to me. He's like, yeah, text me later with this stuff. I'm like, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then I'm like texting all this stuff. Um, I text him about Margot Price, which is, was one of my favorite artists. And, um, uh, and he's like, oh, I should play that on my show. I have a show on the Tom Petty oh, that's XM right. channel, yeah. Sirius XM channel. I was like, cool. Um, and I'm like, um, so after all this stuff, I'm like, yeah. And, you know, if you're interested, um, here's like a thing from my album. Just, you know, not ever in a million years thing, but more just to share it because he was so cool. Yeah. And he's like, cool. I'll, I'll play it on the show. And I was like. What are you talking about? This is insanity. And so, sure enough, I'd, I'd sent him a clip of a different song. So he said, send me the CD. Okay. Send him the CD. He took the time to listen to the entire CD, selected a totally different song, and played it on the Tom Petty channel. I remember TV. when you posted that. I That's saw awesome. that. I was like, ah, oh, good for Moxie. I was pooping my shorts. I bet, it was yeah. crazy. That's awesome. 
So um, about a year and a half goes by, and I text him. I t- I'm texting Steve Rohde. Hey, man, <laughs> what's going on? As you would with a member of the Heartbreakers. Um, I said, oh, I got another album. He's like, cool, send it. I'll play something. I'm like, are you kidding me again? That's cool. And I wrote a song um, uh, called Shining For Me. And the chorus is listening to Tom Petty sing um, all about running down that dream. But each each chorus is a different Tom Petty intro lyric. So oh, that's cool. that was running down the dream. The other one is, uh, I can't off the top of my head. I haven't sung them for six months because we haven't played anywhere. Learning to fly. Um, so yeah. So it's like three different song, three different song lyrics. And he really loved that. He played on the show. It's a six and a half minute song. Oh, wow. That's yeah. cool. It's insane. I'm like, this is. And so anyway, I feel really, really fortunate. Um, I've made some really good friends um, and met a lot of people. I don't, nobody's really into, like, I love Margot Price. And I befriended her um, pedal steel player. Luke Schneider, who played on the album, um, he cut some stuff in Nashville and sent it. Luke now is the touring guy with um, all. Um, um, what's his name? Not Oliver uh, Peck, the gay country singer with the mask. I don't know what's his I name. Know. I don't listen to a lot. Um, of, uh, the new stuff I'll listen to, like I'll listen to Casey Musgraves and stuff like that, but I'm not listening to yeah. a bunch. Yeah, Casey Musgraves is great. Um, so he's touring, and then I made friends with. Um, like other bands in Nashville through that. Orville Peck, I'm sorry. I was thinking the tattoo guy. You're thinking of Oliver Peck. Oliver Peck, yeah. Um, and that's Open Doors. And then other guy, um, there's these cool Texas guys, uh, Mike and the Moon Pies that I am friends with. And it's cool to post things. And those guys like will watch the stories or like things. I'm like, this is crazy. Yeah. They were, on, they were in Roswell playing a show. And he's like, hey. Michael Moxie's here. You should check out his his album. It's really good. And I'm like, what are you kidding me? This is insanity. The, like, I would never in a million years expect that. Mostly because um, I love doing it, but I'm not popular by any means. <laughs> I don't have the greatest singing voice. You know, I love doing it and it's fun. And people, last year we played two summer fests and Old Town. and You played my bar. Um, yes, we did. Uh and, it, you know, out. it's a lot of fun. It's, you know, and it's kind of like, it's one of the hobbies I have along with voice work, running and exercising. Mm, um, yes. You know, I have a lot of different sides. Yeah, we so. actually discussed that yesterday. And uh, Moxie... Tell me I was running. <laughs> Moxie, Moxie has vowed not to post, like, photographs of him <laughs> on a stair stepper. Or... You don't want to be that guy. Or, or the braggy pants thing of, like, I ran 65 fucking miles this week. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, all right, dude, we get it. You exercise. Yeah, it's people like that, though, that they're, like, convicted. Like, oh, man. Like, I'm not convicted. I, I just do something or I'm going to die we, soon, you know? <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm. I might not be as healthy and fit as you are, but I'm still healthy. Hey, I I am not posting those things to brag at all. Like literally, I mean, you know what it's like when you post things like that. It does inspire people, and they're just yeah. like, "Oh my gosh, thank you." And so you kind of feel like if you don't, it's like, "Well, am I missing out on opportunities to help yeah. people?" Because it it does. It kind of it wakes people up sometimes. You Start know, telling and, yourself that. I mean, it's, <laughs> well, it's true. It's very true. It's it's. Uh, I don't like to sit there and post a lot of that stuff, but it's like. I don't really like to post a lot of things. So it's like, I, I post, I post if, if mostly tasteful nudes. Yeah. Um, okay. But Those I have nice, like, yeah. I have 400, 
400 or 500 people maybe on Instagram. I don't really cultivate. You guys have like thousands and thousands. Millions. So it's millions, way. Millions. So please go to michael.moxie, M-O-X-E-Y on Instagram. <laughs> and please follow immediately. No. Um, but I don't do a lot of that kind of promotion-y stuff. Yeah. And it's that's one of the benefits, I think, of the, the tail end of radio is where you were doing a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Like I didn't. We didn't have a Facebook page. We didn't have Instagram. We didn't have, you know, we had a fax machine. Yeah. You know, it was such a different age. And I know I sound like an old dude, you know, with my white hair. And Back my, in my day. My day. But the, the youth of today don't understand what it was like. I used to be the remote control for my daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I would be, you have to get up and change the channel by hand. I think that's I, why uh, Buck and I, we... We were pretty good about changing with the times. And there was yeah. a lot of radio people that had a hard time with that. Yeah. And they were like, oh, yeah, and I'm not doing a Facebook page. And it was like, you have to do a Facebook of page. Of course. Yeah. That's how you connect with your audience now. And if you don't, you're dead in the water. And you were talking a little bit about how it is so different now. And, and just being on the air isn't enough. Now it's, you know, you have to post video content from that day's show. You have to post you know, a best of or a podcast of that day show afterwards. You have to engage with people on the Instagram and the Facebook. You, I mean, it's now people get bonuses in radio now for page views, not how they're doing on the air, not how their ratings are bonuses on how many people they can drive to the website because you can digitize, you can monetize that digitization. That's why clickbait is so Mm. famous and popular. Yeah. I mean, it, it sucks. But that's how you make money. Well, that's why we had to entitle one of our episodes uh, Scissoring in the Back of a Dex's Uber. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we talked about it. Where can I find that? Yeah. (laughs) It's true. And that's why I think uh, it's exasperating in a sense because, I mean, when when I was doing it in in your earlier days, the way they did ratings was they would send out, you would agree to be in a, participate in a survey. They would send you a literal book that you would write down when you listened. Yeah. That and was it. And they'd pay you $2 to do it. That was it. And if you ever wondered growing up why radio stations say their name after each song or why they're always identifying every, themselves. The call letters, yeah. Or, they're, or like, listen today to XYZ. They call it top of mind awareness because in those days when you had to write it down, you literally the lowest common denominator stupidly reminding people every time they could yeah. So they would remember it to write it down. Yeah. yeah. And they still they actually still do that in Albuquerque. Yeah. It's still a paper diary that, market. That, what? That yeah. pisses me off. I still literally yep. pisses me off. It should be against the law is what it should be. It it's so just not cool. Still a paper diary market. Yeah. Good for you, Albuquerque. <laughs> Crazy, Hashtag right? NM true. With freaking technology now, you'd think yeah. they would be so easy to change that, you know? I am shocked. Yeah. Wow. I'm that's because I'm the old guy. I'm so out of it now. I'm shocked by this. I'm outraged. I always wonder if they don't change it because they're scared of getting the real results, you know, like <laughs> you know, or maybe we're not that good, you yeah. know? Cause that diary, it ends up in seems like the same people's hands a lot of times, you know. Well, it's, I mean the 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 reason why the system is flawed is because if you look at the makeup of the town you have different socioeconomic classes that live in one portion, you know, in one zip code with different cultures versus 
you know, another zip code. And if you send too many diaries to zip code A versus zip code Mm -hmm. B, then this type of station with zip code A will be, you know, way up at the top versus, you know, somebody else. So that's really, that's, that's the flaw of it. But they say that it's a good sample and it's, it's really not, but it doesn't matter. That's dumb. That's dumb and it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. All right, I gotta go to work. All right. All right. Well, thanks for coming by, man. It was. Thank uh, you for having. Yeah, I appreciate. It. Good to see you. Yeah, Good to yeah. see you. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Call anytime. I'm, I'm sitting around. It's crazy. We're just old men. We're just. We're just dying over here. We're just down <laughs> here in the basement, hanging out. We're just on the other side of the hill. Dex is you know? wearing women's shoes now, and oh, wow. I love those women's are, shoes. Those yeah. are uh, yeah. and women's decorative. socks. Yeah. Hey, they're comfy. I said, I don't care. You know, I always you, give them a hard time. When you hit forty, shoes. you don't care anymore. He, he you talks know? about he talks about his shoes, and like I remember last time he was here, which I don't know how long ago, a couple months ago, but he was showing his shoes, and I was like why are you wearing girl shoes? And he was like, these aren't girl shoes. And then he sends me a text message later and he was like, I think these are girl shoes. <laughs> but, I, but then I'm like, you know what? I don't even care. Because he has little, he has little, he has small woman feet. His oh, very delicate, oh, very soft, normal. delicate. Yeah. So I need good, good. good, strong women's shoes. But are they calloused underneath there? You got some horns oh, working. Which oh, you, what is you, don't, you don't want to smell them. Stubby weird toes. Those are, the, those are the shapers, the sketcher shapers. <laughs> so they lift his butt as he walks and they like work on the glute muscles. I didn't want to say anything when I came in. But that was a pretty firm glute. <laughs> I don't know what that means. It's amazing. Hey, do you still have problems with your kidney stones at all? Or are you good with that? I do not. No. Yeah, me neither. He had it's... his kidneys removed, so he wouldn't have kidney stones anymore. I don't. I just, <laughs> he has I... dialysis three times a week. Oh, God. I do, actually. The urine just I, it flows out. Just out I drink it. and it just washes the in the body. I, I notice. I mean, I have to stay hydrated yeah. very well. If, I, if I'm dehydrated, I can feel my kidneys will hurt. You know, yeah. I'll, oh, yeah. I feel like I have to pee and I'm like, Shit, I think I got some kidneys. And it's coming out like molasses and yeah, it's all dark yeah. and gross. Yeah. Yeah. Like Coca-Cola. Like pepper. Yeah. Yeah. That happened to me one time. Out of a, I had, out I had of my, my first 20 mile run I did and I, I was pissing Coca-Cola. Oh, and I and he literally, posted a picture on Facebook too. Oh, wiener no. and all. Yeah. And it, it was, uh, I felt fine, but people were like, you got rhabdo. And I'm like, you're, they're like, you're going to die. And I'm like, oh my God. But it was like I was just dehydrated. It's like going to WebMD to find out why you have a stomach ache. Yeah. You know? Oh, it's obviously all the cancers. cancers. Yeah. yeah. I have to drink a gallon and a half of water a day at least. You know, really? Just to keep them like I feel normal. If I don't, they hurt. I'm, I probably have giant boulders in there that yeah. just, you know, I don't, I don't want to get them blown out because then you got to piss them out. You know, kidneys are zero escaped. Just, yeah. just eat some exactly. Fish, <laughs> just eat some fish oil supplement. Oh, be fine. Gosh. Was this segment sponsored? Uh, I, well, I mean, sponsored we, by awesome. We we do have sponsors. We haven't uh, we haven't started uh, firing those guys back up, but yes, we do have sponsors. Uh, nice. Uh, com- is it complete? Yep. Yeah, complete sports nutrition. They're one of our sponsors. They just opened a new shop over in the Windrock Town Center. Cool. Right over here, and Michael Bowen from Waterstone Mortgage. He's one of our sponsors. You guys, Pure Life. Look, you look him up. Pure Life. Darren White's cannabis medical cannabis company. Oh yeah. They're one of our other sponsors. We have a couple other too. We actually have a Sandia BMW is one of our sponsors. Very cool. Um, we have a donut shop, mm-hmm. uh, Total Betty Donuts. She's one of our sponsors. Poor Betty, she actually got on as a sponsor like a week or two before COVID hit. Oh. And uh, and we stopped doing the sponsorships. Is just, she doing all right? Is she 
been able to survive yeah, through Yeah, this? no, they're doing, she good. totally survived. They're doing good business. So good. all of our sponsors have survived this uh, this COVID nonsense. So. Good. Yeah, so everybody's still hanging in there, just like we are. Thank you for being patient, everybody. Thank it's really, it's everybody. Dex's fault. He was the one. It he is. Just kept it is my fault. Yeah. He's like, uh, he's like Carmen Sandiego. You just never know where he is in the world. He's always gone. You can blame somewhere. it on me, but this he's guy. He's like, where's Waldo? You know, he's always traveling. This somewhere. guy, this guy has been selling a lot of homes and he's busy. He's got the family. Honestly, I, we had to take some time off. We, the last show we recorded was on June the 1st and we didn't record another one until the end of July. And I was so busy with work that I just didn't have time. And then I ended up going to Alaska for about 10 days on a fishing trip. And it was one of those bucket list trips that popped up and it's like, yeah, I have to do this. So, um, so that's why we had a big delay, but now we're, we're, we're getting back into it. I went to, since this started about five months ago, I've been to the West side once. I went to, uh, Corrales once. Wow. Nice. Like last night to, do a video for the state fair music. Uh, they're doing everything online, obviously. So yeah. yeah, I saw the state fair people are actually set up over at uh, at Coronado Mall, and they're selling funnel cakes out yeah, there. I right noticed now. that. Heck yeah, yeah. yeah, I gotta go get on some of those funnel cakes. Yeah. It's not September yet, so I gotta wait a little bit. Turkey legs wait. and funnel cakes. Yep. Uh, that, that reminds me of when I was the state fair donkey. <laughs> oh gosh. For this. <laughs> Dude, I remember Mexico State Fair. I remember one of the first <laughs> things when I was uh, I had to broadcast from the state fair. Uh, and, uh, we got to do the tiger thing. We went in there with lions and tigers and, and then do you remember that slingshot ride where they like pull you down and you like strap yourself in the chair? I was in there and I can't remember who I was with. It was like, uh, it was one of the new guys. It was like new rock or somebody like that. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking new rock. I love that guy. He's like the typical, like Italian. What, what was he? Italian? I think he's Italian. John DeSanto. Yeah. Yeah. He was Italian. Um, yeah, sorry. But, uh. But yeah, they like uh, stuck us in that chair, you know, and taped the big block phone to your hand and you're like doing a break while you're doing this and they let you go. And we had a lot of fun. Yeah, that's because that that's so you throw up and it you get it on the way up and back down. Yes. Right. Both. <laughs> he Both. was new. I think it was New Rock. When I had moved over to the um, to 94 Rock. He did the new logo. He's the one. His logo replaced your logo that you did because Moxie actually designed the Edge logo. I did the one hundred seven nine, the the blue round one. Oh, okay, yeah, with the swirls. Yeah. He did that, and then New Rock one day was sitting there, and you were about, you were over at ninety four, and he was he, he was at the studio one day, and he was doodling on like a on like a paper towel or something, and he came up because remember the orange and the orange one, the big blocky one that said the yeah. Edge. He doodled that on a on a thing, and they made it. They actually turned it into the logo. That was apt because I did that when Skip was here. So that was like ninety seven. I did that. So what? But I don't. So I think it was New Rock. That was. Remember when New Rock was one of Sandy's people? Yeah, yeah. So I had gone to ninety four, and remember when the Butthole Surfers, Stone Temple Pilots? No, that was the beach. Oh, that That was was earlier. There was Butthole Surfers. Uh, Reverend Horton Heat. Oh, that was at the zone. At the zone outside yeah. the parking lot the parking where lot. they built the new theater. They're not new. Th- yes. <laughs> 30 years ago. Uh, 30, the theater downtown on, on Central and Second or whatever. Is, yeah. Uh, whatever. Straight down. Anyway. But 
and I knew him a little bit and we were very friendly. And I was like, hey, dude, I was on the other side of the fence from him. Like, how's it going? And he like pretended to be mad and he punched the fence like, screw you. But I was close to the fence and he actually punched me oh and the God. fence. And I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, dude, wow. what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm so, you know, it wasn't like, he wasn't mad or anything. Yeah. New rocks. I need to call him. Uh, yeah. And you talked to Hardy still? Yeah, I actually just talked to Hardy the other day. Hardy's, uh. He's uh he's in Boston. He's he was working at BCN. He moved up there and was working at WBCN. Oh wow! And then they flipped and became something else. And he started working at the sports station, which was the flagship station for the Patriots. And so he's working on a sports channel up there. And he's, he's doing also some, on XM too. Yeah, he's doing some TV stuff. He's on what? XM. He's on yeah, one of my he's, the favorite, he's on Sirius. Uh, it's yeah, the not he, the alternative. It's the he, one next. He does to lithium. It. He does turbo. He's yeah. actually talking to. That's I talked to him. I was like. Why don't you talk to your guy and see if I can be like the fill-in guy for the fill-in guys? Yeah, I want, you know? I want on that boat. And so, yeah, <laughs> so that's I'm working on trying to get on on Sirius as like the fill-in guy for the fill-in guys right now, because I want to do it like maybe once every six months. That's all. Yeah, I, I don't. Awesome. Yeah. I don't want to do anything else. Well, hey, Hardy. Yeah, Hardy, and then um, uh, Jordan, Julie uh-huh. Hoyt. Yeah. And now she's Julie Fisk, but her on-air name at the edge was Jordan. She has a podcast now that's doing pretty well. It's called oh. Haunted AF, uh-huh. and uh, she's probably actually going to come on with us next week, and we're going to talk she's about her podcast. She's so awesome. Yeah. I haven't, I've been out to Dallas a few times, and we haven't been able to hook up, but uh, yeah, we text every once in a while and post pictures, and I guess I sort of keep up with her. Her husband's a Arsenal fan, so him and I, Facebook messages during Arsenal yeah. games, so... Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, and anytime you want, if you want, I know this has been a three-hour episode you to be heavily edited later, I assume. Um, no, we don't edit. No. We just oh. let it fly. <laughs> it up. Suckers. Birds, farts and all, man. It all um, goes on. But yeah, if you could get, if you wanted to do, I haven't seen Kit in years. It'd be good to see Kit or. Yeah, we I actually, do. Like, I, I talked to Kit. So I actually did a shift uh, two Fridays ago on oh, wow. KOB. Uh-huh. And she was my producer. Nice. And uh, she was like, yeah, she's like, I'm so sorry. She's, but we've been talking to her about coming on. Yeah on the show and now she's like okay i've got everything worked out so we can we can do this so she'll probably be on soon i would love to come by for that yeah That'd yeah be cool. <laughs> secret guest i could like yeah. jump in she would never you know we'll, just hide in the corner. we'll leave we'll open the hatch over here and you can be like guess what's behind door number one <laughs> <laughs> who do you think be is good. standing behind that door i would love that. i haven't seen her in a long time or uh yeah to see to be on with leah that'd be great yeah um, or any of the, you know, any of the old folks would be awesome to see. Yeah, man. Okay. So I appreciate, thank you guys. I really, really appreciate it. It's good to see you. Good to see you me too, man. And, uh, continued success with this venture and other ventures Yeah. and the running and the hydration. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you need any, uh, you need, you need a running partner or whatever, just let me know. You run 20 miles. I run four and a half and I'm well, done. I'll run four and a half with you. It's All no right. big deal. Yeah. He's going to uh, dust me. He turns into such a douche when you talk about this stuff. Before we started the podcast, so like right when we were about to kick this thing off in December, we had to, somebody asked us if we would go and MC, what was it? Was it like it was the, a it was a five k? It was like um, the leukemia run or something yeah, like that, or Bell's palsy run, something like that. Diabetes or something. It was something yeah. like that. And uh, and we're standing there before we were uh, talking to everybody, and Dex is like, "Yeah, bro." I, He's exaggerating. I, no, this is exactly what he said. Okay. All right. This is exactly what he said. He's like, dude, 
I run a 5K just to like warm up to run like a 5K. And it's like, tell the rest. Are you? It's only three miles. If you just said that, tell the rest. Buck's like, dude, you should totally run this. And I was just like, I'm like, dude, I'd have to like. It takes me four miles just to warm up. You know, because that that's the biggest thing with me is that like literally the first four miles are the worst thing ever. Yeah. Like I walk. I think I'm dying. Yeah. After that, I can run forever. But it was like, I can't just jump into a race. Like people that don't run don't understand this stuff. You know what I'm saying, Moxie? He I doesn't can, get it. I can, I can Whatever. kind of agree with that. Whatever. <laughs> Those little 5K short runs, I would get murdered because I literally think I'm dying right now, the first four miles. You just click that button. Right there. And that was it. And now there were two. And then there were two. Two honest uh, people. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. This dude, you asked how long we were going to go. And I was like, let's see. Two hours. We got two hours. Covered. We did it. Covered two hours. So, all right. Hey, uh, everybody. Thanks for listening. New episode coming next Tuesday. Mark, your, mark it on your calendars. And uh, don't forget, subscribe, download, share, tell your friends. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can find the Buck and Dex podcast. You want to say anything, Dex? I thought you you shut my mic off. No, I didn't shut your mic off. My bad. Yeah, no. You said it all, man. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Michael Moxie. Thank you. See you, buddy. That's all we got. There ain't no more. Time is tight. It's the end of the show.